Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to the 200th episode of Wait, What? A comics and pop culture podcast coming to you from the not-so-solitary fortress that is WaitWhatPodcast.com. Today, Graham McMillan and I discuss Captain America Civil War and also pick our own teams of comic book characters to represent hashtag Team Graham and hashtag Team Jeff. We also discuss the too-short-life and powerful influence of the recently passed Darwin Cook, and we also take calls from our listeners in this two-plus-hour podcast. Show notes of a bicentennial sort are available at WaitWhatPodcast.com. We welcome your comments and questions at WaitWhatPodcast at gmail.com, and we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Patreon. As always, we hope you've enjoyed these last 200, and we thank you for listening. Jeff Lesser! Graham McMillan, hello! Seekers behind the podcast listeners. It's <laughs> the second time we've done it, because we're starting our 200th episode in the mighty Weight Watch tradition with a technical fuck-up. You know, we caught this one, so it doesn't really count as a technical fuck-up. So. Well, it's, it's a bit of, I mean... We've had we've had worse. We have there's, had there's worse. There's no denying that. Anyway, do you want to know my great idea, which is far too time-consuming to do, but is nonetheless a great idea? Imagine if we just had all 200 of the Jeff Lesnar, Graham McMillan. Oh, that's great. Oh, yeah. I don't, were we doing that at the start? I don't know. I, think I don't think we were. No, no. I mean, it's, it's, I, I, it did start in at some point. You know, the thing that's funny is I remember uh, the first few times, uh, the first, I think it the first three or four, wait, what's at the very least, um, have me c- referring to you as special guest Graham McMillan. Cause I was not <laughs> sure. You didn't think I'd be in it for the long haul. I, I, I wasn't sure. I, I really, cause it, cause it took, it took a long time to get you on board. I don't know if you recall, but I uh, really don't. And actually, uh, I've got to look this up now cause someone asked about our secret origin. Oh yeah, it, that's right. One of the questions was asking about secret origins. Yeah. Um, Let's see. I've got that written down. If I, if you want to, if we we can, let's get to that appropriately. Let's 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 not let's not rush it, Graham. Okay, let's not rush it. But um, I, I actually don't remember that. So I'm I'm very curious. I'm very curious about the uh, your recollection of our secret origin because my recollection is pretty much just it seemed like a fun idea and we did it. But the first few episodes were very different. Yes, because we talk for the same amount of time, but then you'd edit it into like. Half hour, twenty minute episodes. Yeah, yeah. I really was, uh, because uh, you know, it, I was trying to figure out how to do this. We both were, but it was kind of that thing of like everyone told us, like you can't, you can't have these stupid, crazy long podcasts. And we're like, oh, okay, we'll just chop them up into little pieces. And hey, everyone, F- funny story. Uh, you probably still can't have these stupid long podcasts, <laughs> and yet we do anyway. <laughs> it is. It's true. It's true. hey, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. Yes, Graham. Happy 200th episode, Jeff. Happy 200th anniversary to you, Graham. It's, I gotta say, I, I'm I very... can't believe we started this podcast back in, uh, 1816. <laughs> it's true. It's so <laughs> true. We had no idea what was coming for us. The first Civil War, uh, Marvel Civil War, um. Captain America Civil War. Oh, dude. Okay. We got, we, that perfect, perfect segue. Let's start talking about that. Uh, okay. Cause you liked it. I uh, did. I, I, earlier this week, Jeff and I both saw Captain America Civil War. Yeah. Uh, I saw it first and I emailed Jeff and was pretty much like, huh, I, I don't think I really liked it, but I kind of suspect you will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in large part because 
I didn't like it, but I saw it in a strange way. In that, because I've been writing about the fucking film for so long, yeah, uh, I knew everything. There was no part of the plot I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. And going into that film, like, knowing the plot, and don't get me wrong, like, I went into Batman Superman knowing the plot as well. Mm-hmm. But Batman and Superman's a nuts film. Batman yeah. Superman isn't, I said Batman is stupid man, and I think that <laughs> might be fair. Um, but it is, it's, an, it's, it's a genuinely off kilter at times in a exciting way and at times in a very, very bad way. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's a movie that almost the plot doesn't matter because it will be like, ah, then, Piss in a jar, or is it iced tea? Who knows? And, and Captain America: Civil War does not have any of that. No, no, no. no Captain no. America: Civil War is very much a professional film. Very much so. And, and ultimately, that's why I was bored by it, and I genuinely was. The people were going to spoil it. It's been out for two weeks by the time you've heard this, so I, I, I think. I, I don't feel that bad. Well, or, yeah, we're, let's just say we are moving into full spoilers territory here. Otherwise, we're just never going to be able to kind of talk about it, I guess. So, uh, you know. But, but the, the airport fight scene, mm-hmm. which is the big climactic fight scene, mm-hmm. was genuinely the point where I swear to God, I thought, I could just leave now. Wow. I think I've, I think I've seen as much of the film as I need to see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I was, I was bored. Well, yeah, the, the 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 most the part of the film I still remember the most uh-huh. is just before the airport fight scene, mm-hmm. going, "Oh, Scarlett Johansson definitely shot the, her scene, her close-ups at a different day altogether, and in a studio because the lighting's different and she's clearly in front of a green screen background." <laughs> that, that's honestly what I remember more than oh, anything else man. from the film. Wow, wow, wow! Which which speaks to. How just how much I loved that film, Jeff. Yeah, how vested I was in that film. Yeah, Graham. Well, that, you know, that also, yes. I'm genuinely surprised how Team Iron Man I was oh, because yeah. Captain America seemed hilariously uh, pig-headed, but also stupid. <laughs> For uh, example, yeah, Bucky. You've been brainwashed. How did they do it? They've got the code words. And Bucky's like, yes, they've got the code words. They can brainwash me. Well, why don't you follow me into action? I won't take any other backup. Just you. Let's go and get the guy who's yeah. brainwashed you before. Yeah. Yes, America. You're the most fucking stupid person <laughs> in the world. <laughs> Buck, I know. It's okay. You won't hurt me. I mean, you tried to kill me before, but now you won't hurt me, right? Yeah. Yeah, the, there's definitely a little too much of the old yeller relationship between Captain America and Bucky in Captain America Civil War. And in fact, I, I, for me, generally, I have to say the... Honestly, it's amazing that they've done three films, three Captain America films, ostensibly, uh, and that they've uh, in theory, knew that they were clearly knew they were doing Winter Soldier on you know in the second one, and yet that relationship still doesn't quite work. Like it might for for seconds, but uh, or minutes at a time. But one of my big problems with the Winter Soldier, which I think is uh, you know among my favorite uh, Marvel films, it may arguably be my. My favorite is well, it's, it, it's it's my favorite. Yeah, it, it still actually suffers from 
their final fight scene kind of still feeling a little under-motivated. Like, I, I still don't... Captain America Winter Soldier was much better at making me care about Cap, but I, I, but really, the people who are able to get any sort of Stucky thing going on, I have to give them props because that relationship always feels underbaked. And in Captain America: Civil War, I think that that was like a genuine liability to the film. I, well, for me, Captain America: Civil War had no convincing character moments whatsoever. Oh, jeez, like, crap. like mm. none. Absolutely zero, Ooh. and I I could see when they were where they were trying, mm. and every single time I was like, it's not landing for me. Wow, it's landing for, like nothing landed for me in this film. I, I got sh- more out of. I swear, I'm shaking my head so I sadly know, I know, at you. I know. Yeah, I know. Uh, but I I I and I know that I'm alone in this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because I have seen so many people whose opinions I am normally 100 percent on board with. Mm-hmm. Going, oh, the character character moments were amazing. None of it landed for me, Jeff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I can believe it. Well, I mean, part of it is, I don't know, Graham. There, you might be a uh, convincing argument for not thoroughly spoiling a movie before you see it for the first time. <laughs> That's hey, possible. I, I was not entirely in charge of that. Thanks no, very much. No, I, I bet know. I mean, I actually had no control over it. Whatsoever. No, 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 no. I totally get it. I'm not. I'm not blaming you for that. But I do think that maybe there's a case to be made. That being said, I don't think you would necessarily. It would. It would have changed your opinion much. I think. But um, no, but I, I just like. There's so much. There's so many parts where they're trying. Bless them. They're trying. Mm-hmm. But it's. It just. See, most of those, I'm willing to bet that most of that stuff landed for me. It really no, I, did, I, which I is quite surprising. Really did. I yeah. think it landed for most people. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. I got more out of, after the movie, reading people's theories about uh, the arc of Tony Stark's post-traumatic stress disorder mm-hmm. than I did about anything that's actually in the film. Yeah, well, it's funny, because I actually do think that uh, one of the things that's very surprising about Captain America Civil War is... Uh, I I would actually go on a limb and say it is it's Robert Downey Jr.'s best performance as Iron Man since maybe the first movie, you know, and that in, that works in all the Avenger both Avengers movies and everything here. I thought Robert Downey Jr. was really good in this, and the fact that you're like ah none of the character moments landed is like for me by the end uh, the the way that the plot drags Tony into why he's doing what he's doing for different reasons at different points. And by the end, I was actually quite touched um, in in a way that is interesting because it is that sort of strange, you know, a lot of people make cheap joke comparisons to uh, uh, similar motivations and scenes in Batman versus Superman. It really worked for me, I think, in part, be, uh, you know, if nothing else, because I thought Downey Jr.'s performance kind of worked for me. He 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 is good in it. He is genuinely good. He uh, is really uh, good th- at I mean, playing a vulnerable there's character th- there. There's things I, I liked about mm-hmm. the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought, for the most part, Tom Holland was actually pretty great at Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Chadwick Boseman as Black Panther did not work for me until the end of the film. Oh, interesting. Uh, I ran hot and, and cold then, on and him. And then he really mm-hmm. did. Yeah, he was so good at that end. And honestly, I thought he was okay at the at the beginning. 
Uh, I, I spent more time at the beginning going, oh, I actually really like his accent. Uh-huh. Right. But that's mean like I felt that removed from it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but by the end, when he gives the, the speech about vengeance mm-hmm. and, and, and forgiveness, mm-hmm. uh, I was like, oh, him. I'll watch him in a film. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. And, and Holland as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, I yeah. can't for, for some reason, I can never buy any actor as Peter Parker. But I thought Holland made a great Spider-Man. Holland made a really strong Spider-Man, and his version, weirdly enough, this version of Peter Parker that they have in Civil War, I enjoyed tremendously, despite it being arguably the farthest away that you can get. Like, it's very heavily in Brian Bendis' Ultimate yes. Spider-Man territory. Yes, yes. And yet, uh, I was very, I was, I was more than okay with that. You know, um, but as his Spider-Man in particular, I, I thought was was just great. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, and, yeah, and I I enjoyed the quippiness. I enjoyed the fact that he seemed genuinely a excited and b apologetic about everything that he was doing. Yes, 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 yes. You know, which, which totally worked for me. But at the same time, you know, part of me was like, really, that's who Tony Stark brings in? <laughs> like, it's it's. It felt very inorganic mm. I, for, for, I, yeah. for the film to be like, you know, okay, we're outnumbered. What are you going to do? And Tony Stark's like, I know somebody. And the somebody I know is this character we've never seen before. Yeah. Who somehow I've been tracking. I know who it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if this was any other character other than Spider-Man, mm-hmm. the movie would grow into a halt. Yeah. And it, and it gets by purely because you want to see Spider-Man. Well, you want to see Spider-Man. Honestly, I think it, to me, that's the thing about Tom, Tom Holland's performance is, is there, and, and honestly, it's one of those bits where they're smart enough to kind of pick up the wit a little bit, you know, and is, cause you're right. All, one of the things that really struck me about Cap Civil War is the fact that my biggest complaint about the majority of the Marvel movies, almost from the very beginning, uh, is is that they've been too jammed with fan service. You know, pretty much Iron Man 2 on. It's just way too much inorganic jamming in of other characters, future villains, plot lines, just bullshit, you know? And yeah. and this, and Civil War was e- was either A, I've acclimated to it, or B, they've managed to do such an elegant comparatively version of it that they managed to jam in both Spider-Man and Black Panther. And apart from that scene where I'm like, Oh yeah, this really should be grinding the movie to a halt. Like technically it really, it takes too long and they could have almost dropped some of that scene altogether. Oh, they could have dropped almost all of the scene where he goes to his house. Yeah, I think so. I mean, like like, really honestly that it's, it's part of me. It wants to say, I think you've just acclimated but to be honest, while the film is massively overstuffed, the problem isn't Spider-Man and Black Panther. Mm-hmm. The problem is that you have everyone else in the film. Well, like the, the, the Vision and Scarlet Witch scenes. Mm-hmm. I totally like I, I'm a Steve Englehart fan. I know where they're getting it from. Sure. I know where they're going. Yeah. But again, none of it felt like it belonged in the Captain America film. That said, the 
Captain America Sharon Carter moments seemed even more inorganic. So inorganic. <laughs> That's his fucking film. That was, I, I mean, it was, the, oh, the, the, the kiss in particular, and the fact that they then cut from the kiss back to Bucky and Sam in the car, pretty much giving him a thumbs up, yeah. was cringeworthy. See, I mean, that, holy shit. So, so one thing that I think is worth admitting for my, my faults and sins right up front is, uh, I went and peed, um, <laughs> did you miss it? I, I, I literally, literally, I went and peed, and when I came back, people had died, essentially. I think I, I, I missed, <laughs> I missed the death of T'Challa's dad, so. And, oh, and, no, they, 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 no, the kiss comes way after No, that. no, 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 I know, I'm, I'm getting there, Graham, I'm getting there. But, so here's the thing, right before I sneak off to take a leak, is the, the funeral sequence with Peggy Carter, and Sharon Carter's up there speaking, and I swear to God, I had entirely forgotten her from Winter Soldier. All together. Like, I was like... That's because she's a non-entity Winter Soldier. She, she, she's, she really... So, she, I don't know if the actress is terrible, because I've never seen Emily Van Camp in anything else. Or if it really is that the role has somehow turned into a black hole. I, but I, it's, she has, she has anti-charisma in that role. For, well, for one thing, definitely if you, if you haven't seen the Winter Soldier or like me, you don't remember the Winter Soldier. Her character is thrown in there, n- not reintroduced well at all, unless they have an amazing scene while I was peeing. Cause I came back and the rest of the movie, she's like well, giving wait. him information well, and then you, they're kissing oh, I, and it's, I'm just you like, miss, you miss some stuff, but not, not enough to to make up for it. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. But no, I hate to. I it really sounds shitty and mean to say, but I honestly feel that that Sharon Carter in particular is like they had this thing where they were like, okay, we're gonna open the yellow pages. We're going to call all the celebrity talent impersonators, and we're going to pick the best Jennifer Lawrence imitator that we can get. Anyone who just seems <laughs> Like she's at all, like, you know what I mean? Like she was kind of yeah, like, uh, she's like, honestly, the reason I'm laughing is I'm like, if that's the best Jennifer Garner imitator you've got, then you're, you're no. got a very small voice. Did book. I say Garner? I meant Lawrence. I meant Lawrence. Oh, okay. J-Law. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not J-Gar or J-Lo or J-League. I don't know. In any event, it it's, it, yeah, no, Jennifer Lawrence. She, cause, cause I look at her, I'm just, I'm like. Yeah, she does not have a lot of charisma, and and she and Chris Evans have not much chemistry at all. So yeah, that that scene is the kiss is cringeworthy. The only thing that actually sort of makes it worthwhile is, of course, I think I think Anthony Mackie can just about sell anything. It, he he is yeah, he is wasted in these fucking films. Also. I Paul Rudd was much more charismatic in this film than he was for all of Ant Man for me. See. I, I, I'm one of those weirdos that liked Ant-Man. I would actually put Ant-Man in maybe my top five Marvel films. You can be, you and, and Dylan Todd can, can be insane together, my friend. Ant-Man was, Ant-Man is genuinely a film of which I think I have no opinion. <laughs> Ant-Man is that blunt to me that I was like, sure, that's a film I definitely saw. Yeah. And that's the extent of it. You know what? You're going to rewatch it a few years later and you're like, this is much better than I remember it being. Uh, I'd have to because right now I don't remember it being 
anything. Anyway, but yeah, Paul Rudd, Paul Rudd is actually super strong in there. I mean, and I think that's the, that's it. The, the bench was pretty good in Civil War. It's definitely a better movie than Age of Ultron, which I know is probably technically that's, not that's saying a, much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that's a very that's low a, bar. A, a compliment right Well, there. except, you know, I have to say, I walked out of Age of Ultron liking it, so I don't know. I, actually, that's interesting. I wonder if you're going to change your mind to Civil War. I kind of, well, I tell you what, I kind of... Because Civil War is a, a massive fan service film. Uh, Civil War is amazingly fan servicey. Well, okay. My thing is, is Age of Ultron is a little bit like the poor man's Batman versus Superman. Like, it's a sh- oh, oh, man. I know. No, because Age of Ultron is a shittily constructed movie. As it stands, who knows how it was in its mega glory that we'll never see. But the version that was released in theaters is just shitty. Like, the the villain disappears for huge chunks of time. Lots of scenes make no sense. That whole bullshit with Claw was... You know, there's just too much of that. But, and and to say nothing of all the additional character moments that are just really bad but for me when i was watching the film the i thought i thought some of the action was well done and i don't know like i guess like i said with batman versus superman i was entertained in sort of a moment by moment basis with age of ultron which i mean is not always the case with some of the marvel studio films so i was like oh yeah okay i walked out i generally enjoyed it and then as days passed in the sort of in the moment enjoyment with Pat sort of faded. I was kind of like, oh, gross. Weirdly enough, I have to say, I feel that way about the majority of Joss Whedon's projects. You know, I, I can I can see that where it's like I like it a lot. I even rewatched uh, all of Buffy like twice. Like I watched it once while I was on TV, and then Edie and I watched like uh, the box set all the way through. And the second time through, I'm like, yeah, yeah, except for the parts that were like, eh. and then. Afterwards, I don't know, it's the weird, the thing that's weird for me with Whedon is the stuff that leaves a bad taste in your mouth, for me, genuinely doesn't go away. And then the good stuff yes. kind of fades over time. Yeah, it's true. And, and Whedon's, and I think this is going to happen for Abrams as well. And, and I think it's, it's the fate of everyone who sort of leads the, the nerd, the nerd world for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, time is not kind to them. Hmm. Because part of what makes them so zeitgeisty at the time mm-hmm. is that they do reflect the less enlightened viewpoints that that you as a viewer or as a reader mm-hmm. move past. Mm-hmm. You know, because you do watch Buffy now and Buffy is, is like, you can't argue that Buffy is a sexist piece of work. But at the same time, you kind of feel like maybe you can after you watch it, you know. Right. No, right. yeah, and yeah. it's you know it's it's uh, Age of Ultron is is deeply problematic. To be perfectly honest with you, I, I there's there's a lot about it that makes me go, mm-hmm. and I think that Civil War is better. Mm-hmm. But I think I said this to you in email. I like Civil War is inarguably a better film than Batman versus Superman. Mm-hmm. But I think I definitely enjoyed Batman versus Superman more. Yes, right. And for me, I would have to say I definitely enjoyed Civil War more. And here's the thing. It was a good movie. It's with the asterisk for me of it was 
for a Marvel movie. You know what I mean? Like, there's a weird thing where I honestly feel that Marvel films, enjoyable as they are, it's rare that they can actually function as as an actual standalone film yeah. anymore. Yeah. And well, I think that's I, a hard I, I thing for me. I don't think they're meant to. Well, no, exactly. Which I think is why I, it's that weird, like, when people who, like, score keep baseball games, you know, have to put a special asterisk by a, a weirdo play or something. Like, I just, I don't, I, I think it's, it's almost goes without saying with 13 of them in here that they kind of are their own beast. Yeah. And they are massively successful for what they do. Sure. Because I, of I'm, that, I'm, you know. I also like to train the audience to, to not only accept, but to crave what they do. Right. Well, you know, so, yeah. so that everything else now is is graded against the Marvel model. Yeah, exactly. A- everything. Yeah, right. Like not just not just the DC movies. No, but, no, know, no. The DC is, movies, is, the Star is, Wars movies. Yeah. Is yeah. Star Trek going to have an expanded universe? It's like no, it's fucking Star Trek. Yeah. But then exactly. you've got Hasbro going. We've got our own universe, and right. it's the Visionaries and GI Joe. Right. And Mask, and you're like, what? What has happened to the world? Yeah. Um, I will say this because you said the the action sequences. I think I said this to you in email after I saw it, but um, the action sequences were uh, especially distracting to me mm-hmm. to the point where the opening sequence, mm-hmm. uh, I genuinely thought there's something wrong with the projector in the cinema mm-hmm. because everything moves at such a weird pace mm-hmm. that it seemed like it was playing too fast. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it, I, I was watching going, is this, is this projector broken? Is this what it's meant to look like? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not joking, and it's I like again. I'm out of sync with everyone because I keep seeing people talk about how great the action sequences are in Civil War, and I generally agree with those people. And but there's a couple of things going on here, Graham, that does make sense to me. Uh, my understanding is that the guys who did the John- second unit <laughs> photography did John Wick, which yes. which I really do. I love John Wick, and John Wick is definitely descended from a sort of uh, CGI meshed, um, CGI sort of enhanced, American CGI enhanced version of kind of Hong Kong cinema uh, schooling. And as a big Hong Kong cinema fan, um, if you watch a lot of those films, like there's a point at which the under cranking of the film um, gets super egregious, but I, I think you know what I mean. The idea yeah, is, no, that, no, yeah. So but, but the film, all of the action sequences, but especially the opening action sequence, were uncanny valley for me. I didn't believe even the stuff that I'm ninety nine percent sure was actually shot, mm-hmm. because the rate at which it moves and the way in which it looks on screen all made it seem fake. Yeah, didn't I? Did not have that problem. The closest thing that I had to the problem was I thought that. Uh, it's clear that some of the digital effects houses that were providing effects, some of them were better than others. We either had more time and more skill uh, or, or and more money or was willing to put more people into it for less money and others weren't. So weirdly enough, I actually thought that, although for the most part, I thought Falcon stuff mostly seemed fine occasionally his wings would seem distractingly fake the whatever special effects house like you know just finished doing Folgers commercials and then moved on to animated red wing uh (laughs) 
because every time Red Wing popped up, I'm like, oh my god, they fucking got they you know they had this update of Red Wing as kind of a drone. I'm like, that is kind of ball shrinkingly, uh, you know, blood chilling, but also kind of cool. And yet, when you actually see the effect there, I was like, oh wow, oh. Yeah, you see, you've seen the Charmin bear move with more verisimilitude, you know? It was yeah. not good. And, and I do have to say, even for like the fight scene at the airport, which I generally enjoyed, I was like, man, if, you know, the company that was doing this lost the CGI texture for like athletic undershirts, <laughs> Half that thing would be destroyed. You know what I mean? Because I really was. I'm like, there was a lot of uh, like that that fight scene in particular. Mm-hmm. You could see the joints. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was just it was weirdly distracting. I don't know. Like it was fine. It was okay. But, I but honestly, was... I thought the scene was good. But I think that if they are smart, because in theory they're going on to do two those that. Avengers Infinity War two-parter that's not a two-parter. If they... it's not called Infinity War anymore. Exactly. I think, I think they would be really, really, really smart to, to, to bump it, bump some time back on the schedule and, and bake their special effects a little well, bit. Well, it's, better. it's two years off, Jeff. No, I know, but I'm just saying, like, this, this thing in theory, Civil War, I guess they, you know, they announced it when they announced it, but you want to believe they had like slightly more time, but they just didn't. I mean, just looking at the fact that there's a lot of second unit direction on there. And that's the other thing I, that I, I think. I was, honestly think Civil War was rushed. I think so too. I, I think it's a miracle that it comes off looking as good as it does, but it, and clearly in the visual effects, and this is the other thing. I definitely feel that a lot of people talk about how visually bland, uh, the movies are the palettes are on the movie the marvel films uh and i i definitely felt for captain america civil war it seemed like everything was being shot in varying degrees of beige because there was you know essentially because you're trying to stitch together the work of so many second unit directors together you can't have a visual style because well, it, it, it would actually very, make it stand out you know? it does seem very visually bland right until and, the ending and, and sequence, I, until the ending Empire Strikes Back sequence, then, then, and then again, I was like, yeah, how hard is it to rip off that? But you know what I mean? Like up until that <laughs> point, I'm not saying I actually really did like it. There were a couple of points where I was like, oh shit, they're really kind of going for this. And I kind of, I kind of dug that, I have to say, but. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know. It just, it didn't work for me. I mean, it worked fine insofar as, you know. It's fine. I didn't walk away hating it, but I, I also walked Oh, away. you sure walked away shit-talking in emails to Jeff, though. No, Let me I tell did... you. <laughs> no, because what I said in emails is the same as what I'm saying now. Like, it was fine and I was bored. Uh, yeah. Let's, said, let's go to the videotape. I... Let's see. No, really, did I say yeah, that? I, I don't know. Let's that? see. Let's see what you said. All right, oh, God, I've got to look now. Yeah, uh, let's see. Uh, 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 I've sent you so many emails this week. Exactly. Some emails. I um, saw Civil War last night. That's certainly a Marvel Studios movie. I, I think that's I'm giving nothing away by saying that I genuinely, genuinely worried if something was wrong with the projector in the theater that I saw it at because the action scenes look so fake. 
That's your entire email, Graham. That's all three sentences. That's the bulk of it. That is the bulk of it. The closest thing that one can say was positive is that's certainly a Marvel Studios movie, but we know what that means. But did I not say it? Was that the same email where I was like, I think you'll like it? Or was that a later email? No, that was that was a later email. That okay. was a later. That was but, the entire but, I, but again, I see to me that's not even shit talking. Jeff, I could shit talk much next, better. Than that. Next no email. I don't know it's because I was utterly spoiled ahead of time or not, but I was amazingly bored by the story. I almost left midway through the big fight scene. Okay. Again, so, I've just said all of this. Either. Next email. You can love it, and then it will be a real civil war. But <laughs> even a day after, I'm still pretty much of the opinion that I actually do prefer BVS, and that wasn't even a good movie. So there's three emails, Graham. There's not even the it was fine. You know what I mean? Like I, I for me, the that was certainly a Marvel Studios movie. Is my it was fine, Jeff. <laughs> Graham, it's not even phrased like that. The closest <laughs> thing you have to a positive statement in here is, I saw Civil War last night. <laughs> okay, I'll take it. <laughs> I will take it. So, I, if you, if you, honestly, if you think that's me shit talking, though, Jeff, it's like you haven't been listening to the last 100 minutes. Well, it's true. It's true. The one person who has not been listening to us is apparently me. So... Uh, Graham, all I'm saying is, is you made it sound like you were okay with the movie, and I really do just think those three emails okay. paint a very different picture. I, no, I, okay, you're 100% right. Yeah, so, so, uh, as long as we're on Civil War, did you- Hi, God, can you hear the dogs? Oh, let, yeah. Let me shut them up. I'll be right back. Okay. Uh-huh. Hey, there you are. Hi. Speaking of Civil War, Graham, uh, did you make your, your, your five picks? Oh, shit, I have six people on my picks. For your team, hashtag Team Graham for Civil War, your five comic book characters who are going to represent you on your side? I, yes, but here's the thing. I pretty much just picked the Justice League, Jeff. So you should... <laughs> what? I'm not surprised, but really, Graham? Oh, I spent so much time here. In fact, no, no, the fact so... that I went to six characters, I'm like, oh, shit, I don't know who I'm going to cut now, so... Actually, I, I'm... Do you want the... I have two lists. I have the comedy list. Well, not even the comedy list. I have the superhero list and I have the non-superhero list. Oh, interesting. Because I tried to sort of make it... I wanted to... I did... I did remember when I suggested this to you that we should go across the spectrum of comics and the sad part was I was in such a hurry at the end I'm like this is not a very interesting spectrum Jeff <laughs> okay I'll start with the, the superhero bunch okay okay yeah you'll do super, do both your bunches and then we'll I'll do my bunch I guess okay. or no superhero bunch my bunch and then your non-superhero bunch and hopefully it'll make a delightful melange Mr. Miracle nice Superman mm-hmm the Flash. Yes. Uh, Green Lantern. But John Stewart Green Lantern. Oh, nice. Who is, who's my Green Lantern? I think we've said, we've been through this before, yes, right? Yes, right. Exactly. My, my, my Sherlock. Um, and because I love the Legion of Superheroes, so, uh, Wildfire from Legion of Superheroes. Oh, man. You know, I feel like someone asked us about the Legion of Superheroes, and I totally thought about Wildfire as my favorite character. Because Wildfire is awesome well. in this Legion of Superheroes. He's he's kind of, or at least in in his original days, was kind of Wolverine pre-Wolverine. Yeah. You know, one of the things I, I like about Wildfire from Legion of Superheroes is, I, and hmm, how do I put it? Like... <laughs> 
What's great about him is is that he is very much the um, he's. It's funny you mention Wolverine because to me he's he's almost like the anti Nightcrawler version of Nightcrawler. You know what I mean? Like Wildfire is essentially the prototypical comic book nerd as as he's sort of has come to be defined in that he is more or less a brain in the jar, right? Wildfire yeah. is just a mass of energy in a suit, but he is such a um, driven, passionate guy about the thing that he's passionate about, which is basically kind of being the best legionnaire, that he has none of the, oh, I have no corporeal form whining well, to him. What is funny is that to me, he does have that because in the Levitt's era, I think that's actually played up significantly more, especially oh, towards okay. the end. Right, right. Um, what I like about him so much is that he, he is passionate about being the best hero that he is. He has much more whining because he's, he's in a relationship with Don Star and there's lots of, why can we never be together as oh, men? Oh, interesting. Be together? Right. Um, See, but then he I, just kind of becomes Cyclops at that point. Me. Well, what I actually really like about Wildfire, besides the fact that I think his costume design is wonderful, oh yeah, um, and I like I like the idea that he is as you like a massive energy with with a personality basically who fills suits, is that in the Levitt's era, which is really where I know him from, mm-hmm. he will continually get blown up and then just come back by going, "I got a new suit," yeah, <laughs> which as a gimmick I love, I yeah. genuinely love that you can multiple times in the story go he's dead and for people who've never read the character before they're like oh shit he's dead and everyone else is like he'll just go and get in your suit it's fine that's so funny i mean i genuinely love that yeah i i, I do like that about him uh, although it's fascinating because i really do have that moment of he you know i guess i was reading earlier levitz or I don't know. It, it was kind of Grell era Legion, I think, where he was yeah, coming which is, in. Yeah, is, 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 like, possibly first run of Levitz, or even before that, I think. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Because he was created, I want to say he was created, like, the, the, the Cochrane run. Yeah, I think so, because, god damn, that suit. But there's a lot of, there's a lot to early Wildfire that's kind of, um, that's kind of shooter-esque, you know what I mean? Except, thankfully, because he's, uh, he's kind of, a. Uh, uh, an energy blob in a suit, he doesn't have the creepy shooter take on sexuality, you know, at least when I was reading him. So I kind well, of, there's, there's, there's a lot of, uh, subliminal, subliminal even, mm-hmm. uh, shooter sexuality creepiness in his return to Legion. Yeah. Which is kind right. of, cause also, uh, Grell's drawing at that point. Right. And Grell's stuff is also not creepy, but Grell's stuff is definitely the, uh, much more sexually aware art. What you know what I mean? Like, there's, it's absolutely there's a, there's a big difference between Win Mortimer drawing the Legion. Oh yeah, and Grell drawing the Legion. Well, see, it's one of those. Especially because Grell was like, now they're all half naked. <laughs> see, it's it. Grell is like the is the guy who draws like the world's most erotic uh, Sears superhero bed sheets. You know what I mean? Like, he just kind of has that weird thing going on which is it like it's salacious you know um but where's like cockrum it's really funny how to me cockrum stuff is so like voluptuous or it's it's sensuous sensual even without necessarily being kind of skeevy which is kind of an amazing thing about cockrum i think for me anyway cockrum is uh, 
You know what I, I mean? Like, no, I totally do. And I think part of it is Cockrum's characters seem to be having more fun. Oh man. In a, in a weird way of, oh, than, than Grails. You've totally, you totally, oh, I wish you hadn't said that word. Why? Well, you know, because I realized two, two minutes after we started and I, uh, is that as soon as we started, we did it wrong. Well, no, because, you know, <laughs> because I'm, I don't know if you had if the same you're about, concern. If that you're I about did. to tell me that we have not been recording this episode again. Oh yeah. I should probably check just to make sure. <laughs> no, we're still recording. No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> I I actually was so looking forward to this 200th episode and just being us completely sort of raucous and shit-talking one another. And then basically in the course of 24 hours, it went from Darwin Cook is oh, uh, receiving yes. palliative care for cancer to so Darwin, Cook's dead. Darwin Cook is dead. And uh, – and I kind of I'm I was kind of like oh shit how are we going to talk about this because it's because it's a it's a big and, and fucking deal you know what's really interesting is I initially thought we were going to start talking about it yeah and then and then we didn't right and I think I was weirdly relieved right I was too and because I was like okay we'll bring I, it up toward the end then you know but, or something like I was really upset mm-hmm. um I was really upset yesterday when I found out about the cancer mm-hmm. uh, and then in talking to David Hyde. Who is the the who is basically named as the any inquiry should go through David Hyde. And David Hyde is a publicist uh, who does a lot of work with with various creators. Uh-huh. Uh, and in talking to him, he he basically said, like off the record, he's really sick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's really really sick. Because I was like, I hope he gets better. And he was like, he's really sick. Yeah, that's not. Yeah, his sort of way of telling you, like, yeah. yeah. Um, and so after he told me that, I I. My sadness became like somehow doubled. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I was like, oh shit. Yeah. Like that, that's, you know, it's somehow worse mm-hmm. to have someone go, no, no, he's really sick. Um, to the point where I woke up this morning and I, and I saw the tweets and I, I got in contact with David and was like, I'm seeing these people, but I haven't seen anything official. Like what, what is happening? And his response was just, I'll have a statement to you really soon. And it was that like, even without saying yes, I was like, that's a yes. Um, and that was both unsurprising after what he said the day before, mm-hmm. but also just, man. Yeah. Right? Like this one, this one, we talked about Prince being weirdly upsetting, the death yes. being really upsetting. This one was more so. Cause like I'd met Cook. Yeah. I, you know, it's, you weird. know, right, right. He's, he's more real. Right. Right. I get it. It's, it's funny. Maybe because I haven't, I, it was, um, it's weird because I have strangely complicated feelings about Cook the person, weirdly, which is because considering I've never met him and don't know him. But so and I think it's just sort of based on some of the stories that I heard secondhand, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and also uh, the whole after Watchmen thing just kind of left a or before. Watchmen I was going to say I've I've. Um... I've been very glad I've, I no longer follow certain people on Twitter mm-hmm. recently because I, I can just imagine the tweets that are like, yeah, he's a great cartoonist, but he's a fucking scab. And there's a time and a place. Yeah. I, th- this is not. I don't know if I've really actually seen any of that and I might still be following some of those people, but, but maybe not. But so one of the things that I think is fascinating is a, it's a, it's a huge loss. Like, 
he's real. Cook is young. I mean, I think he was only he was 54. Yeah, he's only four years older than me, basically. So it's, you know, and change. So it was just, I'm like, okay, that is far too soon. Also, however long he was with, had cancer, part of me really had that thing of like, wow, what if he got diagnosed several years ago? And you know, anyway, it doesn't matter. The, the, but the point is, is the reason why when you mentioned uh, Cockrum and Cockrum's sense of uh, happiness, I guess, in his art as a happier artist, one of the things that I find about Cook that I will sorely miss, uh, Cook the artist, uh, is, is that he was so insistent on showing the joy in superhero characters. Uh, especially the DC superheroes. Yes. Um, but it's just a very, very consistent take. And it's kind of beautiful. I mean, it really is genuinely beautiful. There, there's the some, there's something joyful there. in seeing. Yeah. He did, he did the, like an entire month of variant covers for DC's entire line recently. Yeah, right. And it's like around the, the time that Batman vs. Superman's being trailed and Batman vs. Superman's trailers is like, I am frowning, I am also frowning, you yeah. let these people die, right? And then you see like the co- Darwin's cover for Batman and Superman and it's like the two of them laughing because they're relieved because Batman defused a bomb. Right. You know, and you're like, oh goddamn, I, th- like, yes. That's what I want to see. I want exactly. to see the guys who are friends. Yeah, there's there's so much smiling in his work, especially in some of the the spot illustration stuff, or just just general rampant joy. Um, you know that amazing uh, cover. I think it's a cover that he did for Teen Titans, where it's them basically oh, the being the Archies as the band. Yeah, and I mean that's just delightful. You know, I mean it's. You know, there's just, he just had a real capacity. And actually, it's funny because that Darwin Cook sale started in, in a ghastly bit of timing, you know. Part of me wondered if it wasn't a ghastly bit of timing. Uh, Part part of me wondered if you, because like, IDW and DC both run a Darwin Cook sale. On the other hand, his birthday was also Friday. So it might have been because of that. Yeah, I I don't know. It's funny because actually I somehow seemed to miss the IDW Darwin Cook sale. I don't know why. I think because they had it buried underneath their true original stuff. Also for me, and I could be wrong, I I thought there was – there was like – it was kind of underrepresented, at least in DC. I was really surprised. Maybe they just didn't want to price it for 99 cents. But the fact that Batman Ego wasn't there or – uh, Selena's big score. As are they? Are they in another? Like, I know they're out of print as print, but are they not both in the graphic ink collection that, that's for sale? Uh I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Um, is is that the graphic ink? Is that is that a different? Is that not Comicsology or what? Do you... I I I there's a there's a print collection called Graphic Ink that is a collection of Darwin Cook DC comics. Oh, I see. I got it. Uh, could be. Uh, I just know that for myself, it was like, oh, hey, this digital cell. Anyway, I ended up picking up these issues on Thursday before finding about out about the cancer. It was just a few things, like stuff, as you pointed out, stuff that I already had. But I was kind of like, oh, yeah, I should pick up that hit that issue of Solo uh, and that Batman Spirit one-shot, which I had a copy of that I enjoyed a lot in print. It's, a, it's among my – I think it's among – the probably the my favorite thing that Jeff Loeb's ever done, which I know technically isn't saying much, but that was 
such a great little issue. And you flip through it, and there's a lot of smiling. I mean, and there's just a lot of stuff that's played for charm and wit, even if it's just in that sort of, you know, here's Jeff Loeb bringing up the rogues galleries. But the way that the characters interact and the way it's it's just the way. I mean, you know, Spirit so suits Cook's style. Yeah, you know, Cook's Spirit is underrated which might be a weird thing to say because i seem to remember it was one of those books when it was coming out that everyone's like oh my god yeah exactly but it still feels underrated yeah Yeah, because there's there is such joy in it but then like i i'm a cook fanboy. that's that's no surprise i i well you know it's kind of funny i uh i thought of myself as a cook fanboy uh as well um but remember how we were both kind of so let down by slayground slaygrounds yeah yeah and there was something at that point and also i do have to say there's part of it and this may just be you know, Jeff taking the absolute wrong time to climb on his hobby horse. But part of me is quite sad that Cook does not have anything of his own. You know, on the one hand, part of me feels that a lot of his work for like New Frontier is probably going to be in is going to be in print as long as it sells. And I think it's always going to sell. Yeah, so I, I, I think New Frontiers is one of those books that's just going to perpetually be it, there. Yeah, it's going to be a perennial um, but you know, a lot of the other stuff, it, it can fall by the wayside, you know, and, and I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a 50, 50 split. You know? I, I see what you're saying, but at the same time, he also, like he did what he wanted to do. I don't think you can look at him as a creator who did not follow his muse. It's just that his muse followed him in those, took him in those directions. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I no, think... And, and yeah. so, I, like, I I see... I can see what you're saying, but part of me is also like, yeah, but he he did... He did what was right for him. He I, I, it's, it's... He did... I am saddened. Yeah, right. I'm saddened that... Yeah, I, I also am saddened that we didn't see, like, an all-Cook original. Yeah. But also, I think when you look at, like, the Parker books, especially the score and... and uh, the, the outfit, outfit. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um... And New Frontier, for that matter. Mm-hmm. They are so singular in terms of vision that I think we got the cookbook. It, it's, I'm curious what, like, he announced an image book years ago that never happened. Yeah, right. And I'm I'm very curious what that would have been like. Yeah, I, but, I mean. But it didn't happen. I, it's he, super strange to me that his last book is is Twilight Children. To be well, honest. and even Twilight Children, sort of the way is is to me, it's him doing, giving the Darwin Cook treatment to Gilbert Hernandez's work that he's a fan of, you know. And I think that was it. There's a way in which Cook is a very passionate creator, but the fact is he also was. A fan. And I mean, in a lot of ways, that's a good thing, you know, because his work, I loved flipping through the, um, the issue of solo that he does. And in the Batman short story that, that more or less closes out the book, he has, uh, yet another incarnation of Parker. You know, he's got a character named Stark who is clearly based on Lee Marvin's, uh, Jesus, was it Walker from Point Blank? This. Oh shit! I I actually wrote this up today, and I can't remember. I think you might be right with Walker. Yeah. So you know, 
and the fact that it that there's another uh, version of Parker that pops up in Selena's big score, you know, I, I appreciate the fact that he was like I I knew I remember tracking that stuff, and even still I forgot, and I was like, oh yeah, I mean, he clearly the, the, the solo issue is just great. The solo issue is just great. The fact that you know, did you pick up the the New Frontier special uh, as part of the sale? You know, I just picked it up today. I haven't read it. Because I remember it's, being weirdly, it's it's super weird. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying, like it's it's super weird because it's not all Cook. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cook writes it all, but yeah. uh, Dave Bullock draws some of it. Uh, Jay Bone draws some of his solo. Yeah, and I want to say there's a third artist, um, and it's super weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't I don't know. You know, it it so that's kind of a thing, but. But all all of that stuff said, I mean, apart from just the horrible loss of someone gone too soon, uh, I think the thing that I am really I'm really just very sad about Cook's passing for, you know, as for the entirely selfish reasons of as a as as a comic book consumer, like that there's not going to be new work from for him. And also, again, like I said, that feeling of like. There weren't a lot of people that were so committed, who were so aware of how much good humor and civility, I guess, were just such underpinnings of super of the superhero concept, you know. And honestly, it's hard to think of a of someone who did, you know, I, I guess made a stronger, more persuasive case for it, you know, over the last. 10 to 15 years. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was, it was kind of heartbreaking. Uh, so yeah, I kind of, I was like, I was like, Oh man, it's going to be a drag to talk about this. But, but of course, there's... <laughs> and so it was, so, and there so you go. it was good. You're welcome everyone. So yeah, let's get back to the, to, uh, something that's now even Wait. more profoundly trivial than when we started. Um, well, we, we started on the trivial. Come on, let's get back to it. I want to know your, your team. Wait. Oh, what's okay? So that was that was, and then you've got your. Uh, okay, so I'll give you my team, and then we'll hear your your non superhero team. My team, which for Team Jeff for Civil War, where I tried to pick from a spectrum, I spent a lot of time wringing my hands, and of course I was going to keep it at five, but then I expanded to six. Uh, Plastic Man, um, Robot Man from Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol, uh, Nemesis the Warlock, uh, Spider Man. Uh, Charles Schultz's uh, Charlie Brown and <laughs> Scrooge McDuck. So. That's a great list. Can I tell you why I laughed when you said Charlie Brown? Sure. Peppermint Patty's on my other list. No, really? Oh, that's <laughs> fantastic. Okay. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, my other list, super quickly. Uh, Strontium Dog, Hugo Tate, Alec McGarry from Alec, Hopi from Love and Rockets, and Peppermint Patty. That is so great. You'll be amused to know that both Alec and Hopi pop up in my answer to the uh, question about which comic book characters would you have for uh, dinner. So. Oh, I, yeah. See, here's the thing. I looked at the questions and I didn't even try to think of answers. Oh, really? Okay. Well, yeah, I, I, so, so should we just go into the questions? Yeah, let, let's, uh, let's start, um, let's, let's play, uh, the first, uh, first call from, from Zach Jenkins, uh, and, uh, and then, uh, when we come back, we will answer his, his question. So, uh, so here's Zach. Yeah. 
Hey, this is Zach Jenkins. Congratulations on 200 episodes. Question. Uh, wait, crap, I had one. No. So, is there anything Marvel can do to make the humans interesting? And failing that, is there anything they can do to make X-Men fans less paranoid? Thanks. Congratulations. Okay. Uh, thanks, Zach. <laughs> uh... So, yes, Graham, uh, according to Zach's question, very good question, is there anything Marvel can do to make the Inhumans interesting? And failing that, is there anything they can do to make X-Men fans less paranoid? Great. Okay, great well, question. in reverse order, no. <laughs> well, you can't, because even before the Inhumans thing was happening, X-Men fans were like, "Are there? Is Marvel trying to get rid of X-Men titles? Are there too many X-Men? Are the X-Men overexposed? Like... I feel like since the 90s, mm-hmm. X-Men fans have been paranoid one way or another. Mm. Uh, like I remember the anxiety when it was announced the Age of Apocalypse was happening. Mm-hmm. That it was announced, at least in where I read it first, as Marvel cancels the X-Books. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think X-Men paranoia is, is just a thing, to be honest. Um and is that because mutants being persecuted by humanity? <laughs> it's bred into the reader. Yeah, I think that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, they think the world is, is, is hating and fearing yeah. X-Men uh, readers. Right. I, I, I can Marvel. I actually don't know because my knee-jerk reaction is to say, well, you have to change tack because what they're doing now to make the humans interesting isn't interesting. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think it isn't. I think what they're doing now is so both generic and also very non-inhumansy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like it's moving away from everything that the Inhumans were. Mm-hmm. That it might as well just be a whole new concept. But it's not a new concept. It's a problem. It's a very dull concept. It's a very so, dull concept. Yeah. So maybe try and go back to the what makes the Inhumans interesting? Like, go back to the idea of of it being a, a coherent society that has existed outside of our society, and then try and create, generate interest by integrating them into our society? See, I don't know. I, I genuinely... Yeah, I, I, uh, my theory is, is that the Inhumans are not as interesting as we think they are. Like, like the... I'm not sure we think they're interesting, Jeff. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not being sarcastic either. Yeah. I think even in, when you read the Fantastic Four issues, the Inhumans look great. Yeah, they look but fantastic. I'm, not, I'm sure it's a dressing concept. Well, because I think there's... Hmm. I mean, there's a, there's a couple of reasons for it. I think that the Inhumans are as Kirby intended them to be. First off, Kirby's whole... Kirby is the only guy who's kind of got the audacity... Because he sort of redid this with uh, Forever People with the idea of Supertown. Well, he also kind of redid it with the Eternals. Yeah. Is that idea of like he keeps coming back to here's a society where everyone is superpowered. And interestingly enough, I I don't know so much about the Forever People, but I do feel in the Eternals I'm not so sure of. But the Inhumans to me are very much a the people of Israel analog. You know, I don't mean that the Great Refuge is supposed to actually be Israel, in fact, but I think that the he's very much thinking of Black Bolt is Moses and the rest of the Inhumans are the people who are following him through the desert. And they're basically looking 
to belong. There's a lot, there's a lot in those, as we know from the Baxter building episodes where the humans are suddenly like, Oh, we're looking on this Island and there's pirates there. And then we beat the shit out of them. And like, Oh, we're in the mountains. And then there's like, you know, goat, uh, nappers they're, they're there. <laughs> I think, I think the word you're looking for is farmers. I was looking Maybe for shepherds. rustlers. No, rustlers. I was looking for rustlers. The idea is that they always come across wrongdoers, basically, and then they beat up the wrongdoers, and then usually they end up getting in a fight with whoever comes across them who misunderstands them. But the idea is that they're supposed to be wandering in search of their, their home. Like they have been, they're, the idea of superpowered beings a, a civilization of superpowered beings in exile, it, I think, is endemic to the way that Kirby was thinking of it. And again, to jump forward far into the future, my personal feeling is when we get to that episode of the Baxter building, when Byrne puts them on the blue moon, it is there's just that click like that's to me is just such a smart sensible right idea but it also more or less ends the story of the humans in a way that that doing anything else feels superfluous yeah superfluous and in fact anybody else along the way in between between when burn does that and when kirby sort of stops dealing with them nobody really kind of gets it like it all tends up being this sort of like warmed over Thor melodrama except Thor can't speak and Loki is deeply 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 uninteresting you know <laughs> it's true Maximus is is all of the inhumans are kind of uninteresting yeah they really kind of are because in a way it's sort of that idea of he has them as a visual concept and for for Kirby it's really him in his visual splendor so for me if I were doing the inhumans Man, it would be all these amazing superheroes and they're all kind of out in the wilderness of the modern world and you essentially get all of the Old Testament fuck ups that you get of the, the, you know, the peop the, the Hebrew people in that they keep not listening to their, their, uh, Jehovah and they keep bringing ruination upon themselves and there's a lot of, there's a lot of fist beating and there's a lot of like, oh, we're cursed to wander the earth. But there's that hope that they will eventually find their home. And again, I have that feel. Even as saying that, you can, I think that it becomes clear of why that really kind of can't work as a series. Because or, or just... no, it can't. It just can't work as an ongoing series. It's right. not a. It's a story. Yeah, exactly. It's a story. If you try making it something that's an ongoing, it you either have to break the idea or it's just too so cyclical that it becomes dull as shit as soon as whoever has got, you know, whoever's got the inspiration loses that inspiration, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I definitely, I, so I kind of despair about the situation with the humans, but, uh, uh, so are, are you down with us? This actually doesn't have a question, but I think I, I think I would play the, uh, uh, this quick little message from Aaron, AKA lick the star from Detroit. Uh, do you want yes. to hear that? Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. Please do. Okay. So. Cause I've, I've listened to this and there's something I want to say afterwards. Okay. So here we go. Hi, Jeff and Graham. This is Aaron from Detroit. This is the guy who made the Baxter building track for you guys. Uh, the one that you played the one time. Thank you. And uh, I just wanted to say that I've been listening for years. Thank you for all the hours and hours of enjoyment. Um, I remember 
first time I came across your podcast was kind of by chance after you getting back into comics after a long hiatus. And I've listened to you guys for an hour and a half, uh, rip apart all my favorite Marvel comics and tell me what a horrible writer Brian Michael Bendis is and proceed to talk about comics that I never even knew existed. And yet I still came back and have been listening ever since. So thanks to the years of podcasting, guys. And so, okay, here's what I want to say, Aaron. I listened to that, first of all, even before you just played it there. And I feel terrible. (laughs) (laughs) I genuinely did. Like, I I was like, oh, we're terrible human beings. We're so, so bad. Yeah. I, I, thank you and I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, I thought the fact that I, I do love like, that. Like, fuck, you still listen after we did that? You would play, you played the one time. I do, actually, I really have to say, I haven't listened to these calls. Hi guys, the dogs, yeah, the dogs are back. Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm back. Hey, wow, that was much faster than I was, uh, than last time, so that's Well, last, last time someone was at the door and this time. <laughs> oh, this time they were just being lunatics. Okay. Well, the, the, this time they were just being dogs. <laughs> Being your dogs, let us be clear. Uh, yeah, uh, I do love the, the the fact that that our listeners have clearly picked up on our dynamic, Graham, and are are willing to give us a little bit of shit, actually, in amidst all the the genuine bonhomie. So, thank you, Aaron. Yes, Graham feels terrible, and I think you. I, re- I really going did. To like, play, I felt so. We're gonna so play terrible. that son of a bitch uh, a lot more now. We're playing that track. Um, it was pretty funny. I, I thought that was great. Uh, now, uh, a, a, a somewhat sort of longish call, I think, from Paul McCall. So, here we go. Hello, my name is Paul McCall, and I'm a comic book addict and superhero junkie. I've been an addict for 54 years, since my grandmother bought my first comic book, a Batman annual in 1962. I've tried to quit several times. None of my attempts have worked. The industry itself has made it possible since New 52 and whatever happened to Marvel post-Civil War, the first one. So I don't buy floppy comics anymore, just an occasional collection, and those are usually digital now. I still look into what comics are doing by way of the Internet and listening to podcasts like Wait What. If you can claim to be a whatnot by listening, I became one when the Baxter Building started. Then I heard that you had done a read-through of The Avengers so I downloaded all the previous Wait What episodes and have been making my way through them from the beginning in search of that Avengers read-through. I'm at episode 141, and I heard you declare your intention to read all the Avengers in episode 140, and according to your show notes, it starts in 144 and goes through 166. I'm a commercial artist who has always wanted to draw comics, and I work alone in my home studio all day, So I listen to Wait What while I'm working, and now I'm finally working on a comic and getting paid for it. Nothing big, a contemporary alien invasion in the Midwest story written by a local businessman who has written it as a TV series and wants to use the comic to attract interest in making the show. If What Not Hood is determined by becoming a Patreon backer, then I date back to a couple of months ago. In more than 141 episodes, I've learned that my tastes do not dovetail with either of yours because I've bought several comics you have highly recommended, but I still enjoy listening to you both. Fortunately, everything I've bought has been digital, so it's not taking up space. 
The Double Barrel Bundle has interesting stories, but but ugly art. I Hate the Internet is the worst book I've ever finished. There have been worse books that I couldn't finish. But on the plus side, I just bought two digital collections of Torpedo, and I know I like them because, well, Toth and Bernay. I've always wanted to read Torpedo, but I did not know it was digitally available until you guys mentioned it. I enjoy the Baxter Building, even though it begins to sound like the We Hate Stan Lee and Reed Richards podcast. It amuses me when you talk about being old comic fans and just getting old in general. Wait until your 60s and things start really falling apart inside you. As far as what I would like to hear, I'd like to hear an origin story of how the two of you met. Unless you covered it in number one through number 140 and I've forgotten it, or number 141 through 167, which are the episodes I have not yet heard. I know you both wrote for some comic review website, but I want details. Thanks for keeping me company in my studio while I work. I've sent you an email version of this in case the technology fails you to get it on the show, or you just decide you don't want to put it on the show. But anyway, thanks. Graham, thanks, Jeff. Bye. Okay, and we are back. Uh, I, I think it's kind of amazing that Paul only joined us since the Baxter building, which is kind of, I think that is amazing. Um, that and the fact that his first comic was a Batman annual in 1962. Like as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh man, I bet, I, I bet it's one of those, you know, Batman kind of the 80 page giants with sort of that, like the five or six panels, uh, like on the comic, you know, that sort of gallery thing with like, you know, the amazing shrinking heads of Batman and Batman super suit and the secrets of the Batcave and who will Batman kiss next? You know, and then at the bottom, like, you know, Rogue's Gallery. <laughs> those are the best comics, though. They, so, well, those are, de- yeah. I, I have they, to say. DC actually did reprints of those uh, yeah. about 10 years ago. And I bought them. Remember? I bought yeah, them. I bought them. Yeah, them. yeah <laughs> I know. So good. They were so good. I love those. Those and actually the 100-page giants. Like, I'm totally aware that there were so many other factors kind of going on with DC and the fact is there is something that's kind of heinous about the the idea that because it's work for hire um that they you know they have this backlog of stuff and they they can run it but part of me is like man just just keep doing that you know what i mean like there's so much good material back there that yeah, is there wonderful. there is i i you may or may not remember i could completely take to buying DC digests mm. like oh yeah you missed for a while that. mm-hmm. that's right uh, in large part because there's just all this material like I'd never read, mm-hmm. like I'd never heard of mm-hmm. Jason Bard and Detective. Like, oh yeah, yeah, I'd never heard of that. Mm-hmm. And then you find it in the stuff because these things would reprint. You know, it'd be uh, your first story is a Batman story because you'll buy it for Batman, and That's then right. the rest of the digest will be these random Detective comic stories that you've never heard of. Yeah, and there was, and I love that stuff. Yeah. It is, I did too. And a lot of it was, was great. And definitely when they got the 100 page giants and they started rerunning a lot of the material they had bought from Fox, the Fox studios. So you've got like the human bomb and, you know, the original doll man stories and kid, especially kid eternity. Holy shit. That's well, which he'll, he'll pop up later. Uh, I did want to mention, Paul, congratulations on your comic work. The fact that you're finally doing that, I think is great. Uh, the idea that it's a alien invasion in the Midwest, I just pray. I'm asking now, officially, please 
ask your writer to, if it's not already, it's got to be called flyover states, right? Oh my God. Don't Jeff. you think? I was just like, yes. That's a, that's a stroke of genius. <laughs> like really, how long did it take you to come up with that one? Oh, as soon as I heard it, I'm like, holy shit, right, flyover states. And I'm like, that's got, I, I, it's, I'm always really good with other people's work is all I have to say. Jared Kobeck might disagree, by the way. But, uh, but yeah, I was like, oh yeah, it's a, it's a great title, right? So, so you're welcome, Paul. That I, one's for I, free. I will say what not hoods, uh, begins, I think, with your first listen if you decide to come back. Oh, yeah. So I've, I've just got to say that uh, in terms of when someone becomes a whatnot, as much as I love the people who contribute to the Patreon, mm-hmm. and Jeff, you love the people who contribute to the Patreon. I love them so uh, much, Graham. I, more, more than words could say, just like Extreme once sang in the 1990s. Um, <laughs> was that too much of a deep cut, Jeff? <laughs> it, was, it was a grotesquely deep cut, That's Graham. It. That Sorry. is, yeah. Um, but I think what not is a, what what not hoods happens when you come back, right? Like when you've listened to one and you're like, I'll I'll listen yes, again. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The fact that you're willing to put yourself through another one automatically makes you a whatnot. The it doesn't it does not matter. In fact, um Frank I kinda I'm gonna mispronounce his name, is Savotkit Savotkovic? I don't know. It's such a shame. Who gave us the term uh, I sometimes wonder if he even listens to us. I kind of don't think he does. He's a he's a buddy of Adam Naves, who I think might have seen the question, but I don't know. I always assume Frank doesn't listen to us. But so anyway, so yes, <laughs> Frank's gonna email and be like, "Fuck you! Frank, I've listened to all of you. <laughs> you suck." <laughs> uh, Paul requested an origin story of how the two of us met. Um, uh, well, it's, there's there's numerous origin stories yeah. to this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, way back in the day, by which I mean at this point, what, 15 years ago? Jesus God, yeah, probably close to that. It's actually, it's actually 14 years, uh, cause <sighs> Fanboy Rampage, the blog, started in 2002. Right. And I thought I had come up with the term. <laughs> but I hadn't. You had. I had, yeah. I genuinely thought I had. <laughs> um, and you emailed super politely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Really remarkably politely. To be like, I think you'll find it's me. And I was like, whatever, old man. Yeah, you were. You were like, get off my lawn. It was like that cover of uh, of uh, Jack Kirby's first Jimmy Olsen issue, where you just basically rammed me with a motorcycle. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, yeah well, that makes you Superman. So that's a pretty good analogy you just made. <laughs> um, no, but it, it was. I, but I... When did we meet after that? I guess it must have been when you were working at Comics Experience, right? I was. I was working at Comics Experience. You came by. I was pretty excited to meet you, and you were very kind to me. I think you were largely there for Brian. Uh, and then, but I mean, I think you and so I enjoyed used, talking. You used to work at, at every Friday, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm remembering this. Yes. And so I'd come in to talk to you and Brian. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and because I'd, I'd had terrible experience at Comics Experience that I've talked about before. Yes, Yes. With with someone who was neither you nor Brian. Exactly. Um, and so I was like, oh, I, don't, I don't want to go back in that store. <laughs> but, but you emailing, because you'd emailed after that to mm-hmm. basically like come in on, on Fridays and so it hips separately. Yeah. And I was like, I should I should really go. Despite the fact that I am cripplingly shy mm-hmm. off the internet. Yeah. yeah. And so I did. And we became friends through that. But I don't remember how the podcast started. 
I could, oh, I, I should say in between as well, before the podcast started, you used to write for Onomatopoeia, the Comics Experience newsletter. That's right. And you wrote the, you wrote, that's where Fanboy Rampage actually came from. That's right. Because that was a, uh, an essay you wrote in each issue. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And you also wrote the new comic, the solicit, uh, right. information. Yeah. And I then inherited it because you quit in, I think what could only be described as exhaustion. Yeah, I really was. I, I had written the whole thing, both parts for, I don't know, like three or four years and was just such a broken man by the end of that. And then you took or took it over and did it for like five or six without even. I did, but also. No, you are lying. Um, because that was, that was exhausting. I had no idea when I was stepping into it at first, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just how tiring that would be. It sounds ridiculous. Um, to be like, yeah, th- once a month I'd write up solicit information and I'd do like a two page essay, like mm-hmm. comedic essay. Right. And it was the most stressful writing experience I had, but it's totally true. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was real cute. Yeah. It, it is, is brutal stuff. And it says something really that Graham is saying that despite all the rest of the internet writing that he does, but. Oh, uh, but it's, it's, I mean, it really genuinely was mm-hmm. because doing both of them, especially. Yeah. Was insane because with the solicits, you have to be super short and mm-hmm. concise mm-hmm. and still try and get a joke in. Yes. As with the essay, you have two pages to fill. Yeah. And you were, and doing the, at least I always ended up doing them both essentially in the same, like, two day period. Oh, you always did. Cause like suddenly Hibbs would contact you and be like, okay, the black line's in. We've got like I, four yeah. days to get this damn I, thing turned out. Yeah. And doing the two really genuinely would break your mind. Yeah, it really did. I remember should, having to do all of them. Super, I've got to be super fast. I've got to be fast. Yeah. I've got to do this extended joke. Yeah. 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 And the thing that I remember, I was, I was so glad I was like, you know, cause I was like, you gotta get Graham on it. You gotta get Graham on it. You gotta get Graham in here. He'd be fantastic. The thing that was terrible was cause I had started out doing fanboy rampage, uh, on its own for like a year or two, then picked up writing the solicits, then did that for another three years or whatever of doing both essentially. And I was like, you gotta get Graham in. And, and in my head, I was like, Yes, because I was so burnt out on writing the fanboy rampages, but as hard as writing the comics, the new comics section was, at least you had new stuff to give you material. Like sometimes you didn't, you had to try and describe a book you knew nothing about and had no information on. all fun, right? Oh my God. Such Especially a... when Marvel was like, classified, classified, classified. You know, like, how do I write this up? I, I at least that, thank God I missed that. But there were those years, the, the sort of early before Kirkman was in, in ascendance where like there would be 15 new number ones for image and they were just called, you know, it'd be like, Oh, one blood blade, blade blood, bloody, bloody blade buddy, you know, and it just went on. Like the names were, were generic. Oh, see, I can't, like by the time I was stopping, Mm -hmm. image had moved on to their next level of genericism, which was it would be one word. Right. And it would be like a completely random word. Yeah, exactly. The solicit would be something like something dark is happening. Yeah, exactly. Scourge. You know, and you're just like, uh, okay, there's a, there's a guy. See, I love those because at least then you could at least riff on the on the name. You know, I'd be like, Scourge, he's probably a guy who poops the bed. That's what I think. You know, 
to his parents. To the rest of us, he's a hero. To his parents, he is the scourge. Yeah, you know, you just went right there for that. So, I, hope, I would say, I've said this before on the podcast, and, and I'm saying it again right now. You have to release your fanboy rampages. Yeah, you know. With the internet of somehow. Because they were fucking hilarious. Yours were too. Yours were too. I think, I think we should maybe come up with like maybe a small sampler and like, and, and put that as like a, uh, put it in like the Patreon, um, Dropbox maybe. And then if response is good, most of the stuff in the Patreon Dropbox, the response is very, very quiet. But maybe if the response is good, then we can sort of expand. Because I, I was thinking, weirdly enough, I was not even thinking of this. I guess I, I heard Paul's thing and was thinking about our quote-unquote origin story. But I did have that thing of like, wow, like you and I cranked out a lot of material there, which Hibbs was very generous in saying – that we own the rights to, so I never even asked. Oh, really? See, I kind of did, at least a little bit, because you know, some some of those fanboy rampages, I was like, oh yeah, this would be good, you know. So, uh, so that's that's the origin. Okay. But how did we end up doing the podcast? Well, okay, so there's a few there's a few factors here which I remember. Graham is uh, um, is shy. Uh, and he's also very, what's the quite, what's the word? I, I, I think Graham, it's interesting. There's a lot of people who've written me who are like, I write Graham and I can he never writes me back. I'm like, he's very busy. He's very focused. I, I, yeah, I'm really terribly emailed. <laughs> so, that is, that is especially amusing this week when I have been nets leveled out of emails. Jeff, you think I've been bad before? <laughs> I quite believe there are people who think I'm probably dead now. Yeah, I, I, I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised. Uh, so, so, so basically, Graham, I always enjoyed talking to you. I always appreciated it. And you were always like, yes, like you enjoyed talking to me. But you were, I was like, I think among the throngs of 20 or 30 people where I think I got especially lucky in terms of being able to hang out with you is Kate and Edie met. And they totally hit it off. And Kate was like, oh, we should totally hang out with them because I really like her. And that, and I was like, I'm in. And that was when we <laughs> sort of basically started spending more time together because Kate was, you know, naturally, I think, because I, I happen to like my wife a lot. But no, it's one, one of the things that actually is really weird that it's is now going to be made weirder by me saying this out loud is – the four of us really do get along quite well together. And that is, that is, that is, I think as married couples go, at least for me and Edie is kind of a rare thing. So the fact that we can see you guys and hang out and we all enjoy talking, uh, with one another, like, and across the borders, I always love the times where I get a chance to actually sit down and talk, (laughs) talk with Kate, you know, like, I don't know. Borders isn't the right. I was just thinking. I know. I, I know. I know what you're saying. It's yeah. not just like you and me disappear and the two right. things. Yeah I, yeah, I get what you're saying. Across the borders, just amused me though. Yeah. So okay. But, well, but again, how did this end up with the podcast? Well, so I think I think I thought that it would be a good idea for us to do a podcast. Uh, and you were like, oh yeah, that'd be great. Cause we were always getting together and we were talking about this stuff. And I usually a I thought it was really funny, and B I was like. 
well, you know, the guy did take the title of my damn column. I should be able to write his <laughs> coattails to glory somehow. And I was like, yeah, we should do a podcast. And you're like, yeah, 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 I should. But we should totally do a podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. But where am I going to find the time to – I can't afford a headset. And and finally, David Brothers shamed you into buying a headset. And then we were, we were off to the races. Oh, yeah. David amazing. Brothers was so instrumental in basically being like, here's a headset. It's available for Amazon. It is $12. And you're I'm like, so glad you remember this because I honestly remember none of this. <laughs> I swear to God. So, like I said, that was the re- because I brought it up a few times and everyone thought it was a good idea. And but and, and when David finally shamed you into it, that's part of why you were a special guest for the first couple of episodes because I was like, this is not going to stick. Like, okay, here's a question then: mm-hmm. What would you have done if I dropped out? That is a really, really good question. I think at that point. I would have, I mean, I probably would have stopped, but I might have, I might have tried to pull rope hibs into it if I had had enjoyed the process. I don't know. I mean, the thing that's really funny is I feel like really early on, really early on, it was like, this is like, I couldn't, I really honestly couldn't imagine doing it with anyone else. You know? Oh, yeah. Uh. We, we should also say this podcast did start up as the podcast of the Savage Critics website, which was the website of Comics Experience, the store. Yes, you can still, it's still, uh, still sort of chugging along. And actually, a bunch of our stuff is still on there. So we wrote reviews for that. Oh, and that was the other part. That's right. We had both been trying to contribute reviews to it, and we were both getting so busy. Because we really were trying to do something like write something for that fucking website like once a week. And and we were both sort of starting to fall behind. And I was like, oh, we'll just do a podcast and that'll be so much easier. We'll just we'll just turn one of those out because I'd never audio edited anything and I'm an idiot. I was like, this will be a piece of cake, you know. We'll just talk for 30 minutes, which we enjoy doing, and I'll just put it up there. And then people were like, uh, what about sound quality? Uh, what about show notes? Uh, what, but what is also really funny to me is that you are now obsessed with that stuff. Yeah, I guess I am. I don't know. Is it? I, 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 are you obsessed because people pointed it out to begin with? Or, or did you just become obsessed with it yourself? Because you don't listen to podcasts. Oh, no. Yeah, I don't it's, listen to It's not like you, you compare yourself with other podcasts. No, 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 no. That is true. Well, you know, I, I think the closest thing is, and I, I actually, I do not know how true this is, but I would, I'm almost willing to bet that there is, uh, of at least a, vast swath for the American podcasts that were inspired not so much by other podcasts, but were inspired by, and this is going to sound horrible to say out loud, uh, the Howard Stern uh, radio show, you know, because, and I don't even know how this ended up necessarily being the case, because I think there must have been times where I was driving in the car, not often, on my days off, when the, when the Howard Stern show was on on one of the local San Francisco radio stations. Um, you know, the goddamn thing was is like four to six hours long anyway. But I would catch the tail end of it. And one of the things, all these, all the various sophomoric, et cetera, things never really interested me half as much as there were always times where Stern would either go off on a rant or he would have genuine candid conversations with the people in his studios where they would, he would either be talking about stories from his life and, or 
they would be telling him variations on you have to get into therapy or whatever. But basically what for myself, I didn't care about fart man. I didn't care about, you know, stuttering John. I didn't care about the idea of like, Oh, we're going to interview porn stars. How salacious and funny is that? And it sounds like Howard Stern is aroused. None of that really mattered to me, but there were parts where, when he was genuinely talking about his life or he was digressing, they would digress and talk about some movie they'd seen and they were all shooting the breeze on it. I was kind of like, if you could do a version of that for comics, basically I would listen to it. And also I think people would really enjoy it. So I, that was kind of my idea was like, if you get someone who is a very good conversationalist who knows comics and is a funny person, um, and then, and then add a Scottish guy. I was, oh, you beat me to the fucking joke, uh, <laughs> which was, and then I write his coattails to glory because he already stole the title to my column. So that's 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 it. Wow, that is. I very... I, I am going to say that I honestly remember very little of that, but for me, the podcast took off, uh, like for us mm-hmm. when I moved, mm-hmm. and this became the. Like we, because we email back and forth during yes. the week. Yeah, yeah. But this became like the primary way that we do get to talk on a regular basis. That is true. That is true. Yeah, I have to say there was a point at which uh, <laughs> there is definitely a point where I've said this a few times, and this actually happened on our on our skip weeks, where I'm just basically like, Graham, can we Skype quickly? I want to talk. So, um, yeah, no, it's true. Although, again. Uh, I think that's probably where I feel like once you moved to Portland was around the time we started actually doing it on a regular basis. Yeah, I think that's it. Because there there was a lot where we would podcast, like maybe like it was very touchy. I feel like we pick a podcast like once a month at most. Yeah, exactly, exactly. We we talk for a while and then you edit them down into these chunk like bite sized chunks. Yeah, exactly. So I sort of release them once or twice a week in like thirty minute segments. And sometimes on a two-week, on a two-hour conversation, that would basically last us two weeks, and then and then a month would pass, sometimes two months. But yeah, there was some point where we really locked it in and made it serious, and maybe that was when you moved. Um, I feel like there was something before that. I do have to say, one of the things that mortified me, and I'll mention this as we get into other people's uh, calls uh, which we we should really power. Wait, wait, yeah, we should because this is going to be a long episode anyway. But yeah, okay. Well, I tell you what. Uh, uh, is the number of people who are actually kind of um, uh, like, oh, I heard you, and and now I'm going back and I'm and we're I'm listening to or, all yes, of your guys' yes. podcasts. And yeah, I'm just because, like, yeah, we've had that email. We've had people say that on Twitter, and it's just been like, oh God, really? Yeah, exactly. Flattering and mortifying. So, oh, and speaking of which, uh, l- let me play this uh, play this message from Steve from Los Angeles. So, here we go. Hey, Graham and Jeff. What's up, you guys? This is Steve calling from Los Angeles, and I just wanted to wish you both a very happy 200th episode and say thank you, thank you, thank you for so many hours of wonderfully entertaining podcasting. And I got to say... Out of the dozens of podcasts I listen to, uh, Wait What is the one that I am most giddy and excited about every single time I see a new episode, and you guys are just fucking fantastic, and I will also say that the first time I listened to the show, I absolutely hated it, 
and I think I first tuned in on some episode where there was a lengthy discussion of the waffle window and various, you know, waffle-related topics, and I was like, what the fuck is this? But I came back and fell in love, so now there are a few things that make me happier than hearing Graham say that some comic series is suddenly better, much better, uh, when it's read all in a one and hearing Jeff go on about the intricacies of 1970s Marvel comics in ways that make me wish I was 10 years older and got to experience all the wonder myself. So anyways, uh, this is too long, but just wanted to say thank you for real, you guys. You're spectacular. It's such a good show. And if I ever become a millionaire, I am donating as much money as needed to your Patreon to make Wait What a weekly endeavor, because I think the world needs that. All right, guys, here's to 200 more at least, and thank you again. Happy 200th. Thank you, Steve. Uh, yeah, that was both uh, effusive and epithet-filled <laughs> in a way. I, I, sorry that the waffle window conversation put you off. <laughs> um... <laughs> I tell you, the waffle I, I, window, it's the secret ingredient. It brings people back, I think, you know? Well, not Steve. Steve came back! Yeah, but not because of the waffle window. Well, he didn't specify, but... Um, I, 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 I am genuinely kind of mortified by Steve's <laughs> happiness about the, the podcast. It, I, you know me, Jeff. Yes. I, I don't take compliments well. I don't think uh, I feel like that's something we share pretty much in common. So, when yeah. people are like that excited about the podcast, I don't know how to respond. So I'm just going to say thanks. And exactly. Also, and also sorry for for you hating the first one. <laughs> <laughs> There's just no pleasing us. We can't hear the compliments. We can never stop hearing any of exactly. The, yeah. We can only hear the insults. <laughs> so uh, let's let's jump to uh, Peter from Atlanta. So, uh, really quickly, too. Hey, guys. This, uh, my name is Peter, uh, calling from Atlanta. Just wanted to give you a shout-out for your 200th episode. Congratulations on that. Uh, I've been a listener for about a year now, and I really enjoy how much you guys just kind of break, and um, it just feels like me and my friend, like conversations I've had with friends in bars where you, go, you start one place and you end up a million miles away from where you are, and... So it's honestly my favorite thing about the show. Um, so your tangents are appreciated. Uh, congratulations again on 200 episodes. And yeah, I'm so grateful that that Peter follow Peter to get that call where it's like he actually appreciates all of the tangents. Like I said, I sort of feel like <laughs> but, the waffle windows. Yeah, you know. I, I think uh, if you're stuck with us, then you've either. <laughs> always enjoyed the tangents or you've just learned to live with yeah them. you just have yeah it's kind of it's like a spouse yeah if we have a calling card it is our inability to complete a thought oh god it's brutal it's brutal in my case sometimes you can't i can't even get to the end of a sentence but yeah it's amazing so, so oh, thank, thank you peter and speaking of waffles uh let's let's play this great one from voodoo ben here because he actually has a question waffle related Hey guys, it's Voodoo Ben. Uh, I was lucky enough to have my voice on the 100th episode of Wait What. Thought I'd try for two and see if I couldn't get into the 200th episode of Wait What as well. Uh, congratulations guys, it's been a phenomenal ride. I've loved every minute of it. Uh, to get to a classic Wait What conundrum, I was wondering if you guys would, uh, consider what 
if Jack Kirby's post-Marvel work, OMAC, Commandy, The Fourth World, etc., were waffles, what waffles would they be and why? Thanks so much, guys. Good luck on another 100 episodes. So... Okay, before we go any further, can we just all take note of Jeff's wonderful radio DJ link just there? <laughs> that We should all, for a second, just take a breath. How great was that link? Speaking of waffles, we've got a waffle-related question. That was <laughs> epic! Uh, I, I might be playing for time to answer the question, but Jeff, you should answer first. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, if Jack what, Kirby's what what kind of waffles like? Do we pick waffle window waffles? Like I, what? I'm sticking mainly to waffle window waffles, but I'm going to try and sort of expand out, or at least throw in sort of a certain amount of things that I think people can uh, hopefully understand in conception. So, and okay. hopefully, the great part is I can start with I'll have, list mine, and then maybe you can either fill in the the ones I've missed, but. Uh, uh, so, Commandy, weirdly, I'm just going to go with a, a, just a caramel waffle. Because weirdly, I just, I was like, yeah, something really blonde, weirdly. Omac, definitely a savory bacon and blue cheese waffle. Because. What? No! Yeah, yeah. Don't you think? Because Omac is, that first issue of Omac is, is weird. Like, it's sure, addictive, but no, it's kind of but... off-putting. You know what I mean? No, see, for me, Omac is something much, much more streamlined. Uh-huh. Omac is is because Omac the comic is Omac is is this wonderful thing of of precision is never the right word for a Kirby comic, mm -hmm. but I feel it is as pared back as Kirby gets post Marvel. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm going to give it just like a chocolate covered waffle. Oh no! See, that's Dark Side is a dark chocolate waffle. No, cause see, I'm not giving. I'm going for work. I'm not going for characters. So uh, New Gods, yeah. New Gods is every fucking thing in a waffle. New yeah. Gods is the whole farm. Right. But, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, no, I'm like Dark Side, Dark Chocolate Waffle, Orion, Nutella, and Strawberry Waffle, Light Ray Waffle with <laughs> wow, whipped cream. You want specific, specific characters. Yeah. I love this. Okay. Big Barda, the three bees waffle. Uh, <laughs> in that case, you got to call her Big Big Barda in order to get all bees, all the bees oh, so in there. Bees waffle, we should actually explain for people who have never been to the waffle window in Portland, yeah. is uh, bacon, brie, and basil. Yeah, exactly. It's great. So OMAC, to me, I'm still going to argue with you on the OMAC thing because that is such a savory bacon and blue cheese waffle. It's something that's a little off-putting, totally addictive. And leave it to you. I don't know if it really is a reflection on you, Graham, or a reflection on Kirby that you can actually refer to a book that is essentially a mix of Captain Marvel and Captain America in the future, you know, I faceless. I down as Kirby. Oh Gang. my god! <laughs> yeah. So uh, the demon is a jalapeno waffle. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, that that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then okay, I, what about things like the losers? See, the losers. I ran out of ideas. I'm, I actually re literally rewrote. Bacon waffles again, but it's got to be something. <laughs> Just because you like bacon waffles, because I like bacon, I'm really what into if, the bacon. What about things know? like Captain Victory? Oh wait, well see, this is the thing. I feel like do you, I thought that days of the mob in uh, in the days of the mob world? seasonal waffle, seasonal waffle, like one okay. of the seasonal it's... specials that they have there. I definitely thought of in the days of the mob. Um, I'm really sorry that is it is it Black Love? 
uh, Black Love, I yes. I couldn't, I couldn't think of one for Black Love, uh, and I couldn't think of Spirit one for Spirit World. Did you come up with any of those for for? No, I, I, I totally told you. I have not thought ahead in these questions. I've just listened to them and then went out for dinner. Yeah. So okay, there's well, been no so part in this. I, we have failed you, Voodoo Ben. I don't know, man. I got pretty deep in there. I, I mean, have failed you. Yeah. Jeff, yeah. Jeff, thank you for clarifying. Yeah. You know yeah, yeah. Look up the waffle window menu right now and I'm going to see if any of the descriptions. Mr. Miracle would be like a lemon curd and cherry waffle. No. Yeah. Cause of the, the red and yellow in his suit. No, sure. But I like Mr. Miracle. Lemon curd is vile. Oh, well, whatever part of lemon do you like? Oh my God. There's something called darkest desire, Jeff. A dark chocolate covered waffle with our handmade salted caramel ice cream. Holy shit. Dark I'm, chocolate shell. I'm all over that. And a sprinkle of black lava salt. Oh my god. That's amazing. Okay, that's. They have a Thai iced tea waffle, ice cream waffle called the Tiger. Did you get it? Oh, that's great. That actually is, uh, that's, that's, that's commandy. Exactly. That's commandy. Uh, let's see. Ham and cheese waffle you've already chosen. The Rise and Shine waffle. Wait, Whoops. no, maybe the losers are a ham and cheese waffle. Okay. I didn't, I didn't really, I, I said that I had the savory bacon and blue cheese, which is not the same thing, but ham and cheese waffle for the losers. Okay. Uh, I'd say the, the banana rumba is Captain Victory. Oh, that seems a good call. Okay. A fresh sliced banana and her house made banana caramel sauce mm-hmm. topped with fresh whipped cream and her house made maple nut granola. I think that's, that's where that's I kind of fits Captain Victory for me. That's so funny. I'm like, I, that's kind of what I was shooting for with Commandy, I think, too. So, okay. You yeah. could, you could have Commandy. I'm trying to see if any of these are Silver Star. <laughs> Silver Star is a weird fucking waffle. Oh, it's Rise and Shine then. Oh yeah. Which one's Chicken Rise apple sausage over a hard fried egg with Tillamook cheddar cheese and house made country gravy or maple syrup. That's Silver Star? Yeah, because right. that's a weird fucking waffle. Jam. I was about to say I, that's really close to in the days of the mob for me. I think <laughs> you know what I mean. Like that seems like in the days of the mob because it's such this, a. This could be a new recurring feature where I just read things off a menu yeah, and, and we associate it with Jack Kirby <laughs> comics. That no, would it's be just the best. Any comic. Oh yeah, that, I think that starts to break my brain a little bit. So. <laughs> okay, so that that helps a little bit. We got it. We got to get through these. So uh, let's let's hear from uh, Leaf Smith. Hey, this is Leaf from Mission Comics, and I was just calling to wish you guys uh, congratulations on 200 episodes. Uh, that's amazing. I went back, and uh, I'm actually listening to some of the first episodes this week, and it's amazing how um, consistent you guys are. All right. And I love listening to you. All right. Take care. Bye. And again, Jeff, I just feel, aww. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, very, very touched. And we'll please go to the show notes so that we can throw a link into Leaf's so Mission uh, Comics, yeah. Yeah, Mission Mission Art and Comics. It is a fabulous store here in San Francisco. We should say more, but I mean like you said, it's very the closer you guys get to being nice to us, the harder it is for us to actually. Although there was there was Le- the fact that Leafs talked to us, referred to us as consistent. I really love Oh, I I do you not think that was a great weirdly like back out of the conference. Yeah, so much so. I, I was like, I was listening to these earlier. That. Yeah. Side Kate. Mm-hmm. And I reached that point and I was like, I can't tell if I've just been insulted or not. <laughs> it's beautiful, isn't it? It really is. I was like, yeah. Do you think it means we're talking about the same six topics for like 200 <laughs> episodes? Or? Well, I think anyone who's listened to this podcast for any length of time. <laughs> 
Is it Jack Kirby? No. Is it Steve Englehart? You've got a pretty good chance. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> totally true. <laughs> okay, so uh, here's here's a here's a call from Levi Tompkins. Hi, Grim, Jeff. This is Levi Tompkins. I've been listening to you guys since uh, the Skoip thing a uh, while back. Uh, I've been listening to all of your backlogs since the very beginning. It's been a lot of fun for me, and it's been helping me get through all my nights of work. I love you guys' ramblings. I think they're thoughtful. I think they're informative. I think they're making me, you know, love comics, but also sometimes hate them. And I just want to thank you guys so much. You are a really, really wonderful part of my week. Thank you. Which is great because he jumped on at, at Skype. Yes, uh, right? Victory for Secret Convergence of Infinite Podcasts. Yeah, I thought that was kind of wonderful. I'm like, oh, so we did get a viewer out of that. That's that's really awesome. So well, thank sir, you, Levi. Because a viewer would be someone who watched. Uh, I'm sorry, was that? Oh yeah, if you were a listener, whatever, man. You and you, you're the you're the guy who suffers from synesthesia or whatever the fuck it is, right? What's that called? Mild synesthesia. Yeah. Still though, the idea that a guy who's like over there, like tasting colors, is like whole like, oh no, Jeff, I not just, a viewer, a listener. Back off. <laughs> hey, speaking of dicks, here's Matt Turrell. <laughs> Hey guys, this is uh, Matt Turrell, the official Roy Thomas of Wait What, I guess. Uh, in celebration of the 200th episode, I figured I would dig up one of the old emails I had sent you guys with a question that I want to point out you never, ever answered. Post it to you now, see if maybe you would take the time to answer it. Uh, the question is, this is from June of 2012, which is insane how long you guys have been putting up with stupid emails from me. Anyway, the question is, why are interstitial runs almost always so much better than the hyped runs they precede or follow, such as Dwayne McDuffie's post-JMS pre-Miller Fantastic Four run, or Chris Roberson's post-JMS pre-New 52 Action Comics, or Karen Gillan's post-JMS pre-Fraction Thor? I feel like there are more that don't involve JMS, but uh, I can't come up with them right now. Anyway, if you have the time to answer the question, great, go for it. It's only taken you, you know four years and hundreds of episodes. Uh, but if not, either way, congratulations and thanks uh, for giving me the opportunity to write my dumb stuff on the site. Y'all are the best. Bye. Uh, oh, boy. Oh, God. Uh, I love Matt. The worst part is I'm going to be apologizing for six months for that because I worry that he will. <laughs> that was so hilarious. Uh, uh, that's a good question. Though. Why are interstitial runs better than big runs? Uh, first of all, I don't agree that they are. I agree. I'm the same way. I think this is why it sat unanswered since June 2012. It's uh, apart from the fact that JMS is involved. Like your points are all good, but they're all JMS related. I don't, I can't think of anyone else that are generally like. I think like super short runs that were great that were followed by lengthier runs. Yeah. But I, 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 Matt, I think your question is, is. Based on a faulty premise. To yeah, be I, I think so too. I, I, I don't know. It's very hard. It's hard for me because I guess because it's an old. That's part. it. Anyone who wants to talk up the McDuffie Fantastic Four or their Robertson Superman, sure. Right. I, I, I'll get behind that because both those runs were great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So, but yeah, but it's also, tough for me. Mm-hmm. To be perfectly honest, the Robertson run is not an interstitial, as such. Like he's finishing. 
the JMS run. Yeah. And then there's Flashpoint. And to be perfectly honest, Superman didn't really come out well from that book, like from that event until, what, Jeff Johns came on the book, like three years into it? Yeah, I think so. I think that I think that's that that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I just I don't know. For me, it's that's actually pretty, pretty, pretty hard for me to wrap my head around. However, this is worth pointing out. This everyone, this is Matt who writes for the pod, who writes for the website. Yeah, you all ready stuff on waywallpodcast dot com. That yeah. that was him just there. Yes, yes. We're so glad that we badgered him into calling in, um, and thank you so much. <laughs> Secrets behind the podcast, everyone. Yeah. Matt emailed to say that he was going to call, and then he couldn't think of anything to say. And we were both like, you should go! Yeah, we totally. He was like, ah, no, I can't do it. It's I couldn't think of anything. That's, I don't know how you guys do it. I'm like, please call anything, Matt. Call and make fun of us, which he basically did. So I think, I think that's fair. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, just a few more here, I think. Uh, David Morris next from Bristol. Hello, David Morris calling from Bristol, thanking you for 200 episodes. Uh, looking forward to more. Uh, I enjoy how much the pair of you like talking about this subject. Um, I enjoy the interplay of, you know, um, the one who's almost always confident about that what he's saying is correct and the one who often doubts what he says is correct. Have a great anniversary. Bye for now. <laughs> Thank you for David. I love the fact that he said the one who's almost always confident that what he's saying is correct and the one who often doubts what he says is correct. And he didn't name which is which. No, first of all, because that's both of us. I think so, too. Like, swap over. But secondly, I also feel like he's saying that whenever we're confident, we're wrong. Yes, I do love and that. I, and I think that's probably entirely correct. Yeah, I think so as well. I think that I, 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 I do love whenever it. Whenever we are, are, one of us is very passionate, mm-hmm. uh, that's probably a sign that uh, we're incorrect. Yeah. Also, someone, I can't remember if this was an email or on Twitter or someone, someone basically was like, I can't wait uh, for you guys to change your mind as you always do. And I feel that was particularly pointed towards me because I do change my mind a bunch about stuff. <laughs> I think everyone should bear in mind that if I am feeling entirely passionate about a, a topic, ask me again in six months. Right. Yeah. Unlike Jeff, who's actually a blind, rabid fanatic. and, yes. uh, and... I, that, I think that's fair. <laughs> you are definitely a blind, rabid fanatic. It's true. It's true. It's, uh, it's... We can all agree. Yeah, I think so. I think, it's why, I think that's why I picked up the beard. Hey, it's Martin Gray. Wait, what? You've reached 200 episodes? That's pretty darn impressive. This is Martin Gray from Edinburgh saying, have a waffle on me at the waffle window. I'll send the money, obviously. Yes, you just wait by the post box. Bye for now. I love that you went, hey, it's Martin Gray. (laughs) I love that that Martin Gray was basically trying to swindle us out of... uh, Eating some waffles on him. Uh, no, I love that. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm good. Maybe it's just because I've been in America for, God, 14, 15 years now. Um, but David and Mart in particular, their accents made me so happy. Something about them. I just listened to them and I was like, these, these are my people. These are my people. These, these are my people. Yeah. This is my happening. 
God, it freaks me out. <laughs> Always love that quote. Um, uh, eh, so should we, let's, let's. Uh, uh, Daniel? Yeah, Daniel. Let's do, here we, here, here comes Daniel McKay. Hey guys, congratulations on reaching 200 episodes. Here's to 200 more. I have one question. If you could have a fantasy dinner party with anyone from comics, who would you invite and why? That, I think that's such a good question. If you could have a fantasy dinner party with anyone from comics, who would you invite and why? So he didn't specify, um, like real people well, or. That, that's just it. I thought he meant real people. Did yeah. you think he meant characters? I thought he meant real people, but then I went on to make a list for. <laughs> Because it's you. Anyone who gives you a question in which you can make a list, you you just make that list. I make. You, I think I make. I think I make okay lists. I have um, to say. I I am going to say if I could just pick one person mm-hmm. right now, I'd pick Ryan North. Really, that's yeah. a great pick. Yeah, I think Ryan North would be a great person to have to a dinner party. Yeah, I think Ryan North would be funny, smart, have absolutely spectacular yet weird as shit knowledge to drop on people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm totally saying right north. Oh, that's that's a good that's a good one. Okay, well I'll run through my list very quickly. For real people, living and dead, my dead party would be Jack Kirby for obvious reasons. Gil Kane, because he was supposedly one of the best raconteurs in comics, and Olive Byrne, who always struck me as well, I, honestly, all of the sort of the three-way marriage of William Moulton Marston, uh, creator of Wonder Woman, they're all actually really interesting people. I, I did not like Jill Lepore's book on Wonder Woman, actually, but it was great. I, I, I did not read that because I heard lots of people say not unkind things about it, but pretty much just, oh, this was, should have been so much better. Yeah, I I was genuinely annoyed by it because I feel that uh, she just did not – she didn't really – she was really into writing, uncovering the bits and pieces of history, but yeah, it was just, ugh, it was not a good book. She doesn't really seem to care about Wonder Woman much. She doesn't care about Marston much. She's not really sort of a comic book fan. Like she, she gets all this inside dirt behind the scenes, uh, about Marston's life and then goes really, really vague about it. Like she actually, Gets Lepore actually gets a hold of a 60-page transcript that is a sex ceremony slash orgy between Marston, his two wives, and Marston's aunt. And, and she quotes almost none of it. And it, it, it's, it's... Wait, 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 wait. I, I, maybe I, I'm being innocent. Uh Uh-huh. Why is there a transcription of an orgy? Well, because there was a lot of role playing involved, uh, and it was also um, no, no, that's also doesn't ask the question. Why is there a transcription? Well, as I recall, as I remember appropriately, they thought that they were creating a quasi magical ceremony. You know, so they recorded it. Uh, yeah, they actually, I don't remember who ended up taking the transcript down of it. If it, if it's oh like. I'm literally imagining them being like, okay, it's time for the RG. If we can just bring in the, the stenographer. Yeah, exactly. The stenographer, the RG. Uh, could you read that last line? Oh God, yes. Like that. Right there. Okay, perfect. All right. I, I know where I was going with this. 
Oh, God, yes. Like that. Right there. <laughs> can, can I just say, <laughs> your sex voice was weirdly disturbing. It really was. Once I did it, I'm like, oh, that creeped me out. Like, nobody's I, business. I, I'm moving on right now. I have, why don't you tell me your fictional characters who oh, would be at a party? Well, first, the living characters, of course, Alan Moore, Eddie Campbell, and Evan Dorkin. And then the imaginary characters, Spider-Man. Hopi from Love and Rockets, as I mentioned. Alec McGarrity, as I mentioned. Clark Kent, not Superman, but Clark Kent. Kid Eternity, because Kid Eternity could then summon all and the greats. Yeah. yeah. And Scrooge McDuck. Because Scrooge McDuck. Scrooge, Scrooge McDuck? Yeah. Scrooge McDuck's a really good storyteller. I don't I, know if you were paying I feel attention. I should be adding more people to my list. You uh, totally should. Okay. Guy Dalil. Okay. Uh, Eddie Campbell. I think Eddie Campbell would be great. Eddie Campbell is obviously a great. Um, Marguerite Bennett. I I am currently like a massive fan of Marguerite Bennett's Twitter feed. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, for some reason, think that she would be an absolute blast to have at a dinner party. Oh, I'm trying to think of fictional characters now. Because I like I wouldn't have Opie over. Oh God, no. Oh, I she'd think, be a I complete think, jerk, but... Yeah, exactly. I think we'll be able to try and sabotage the dinner party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, Hugo Tate. I would totally have Hugo Tate, oh, who wow. is, is remarkably like close to me. I, I love the Hugo Tate character mm-hmm. a lot. Uh, oh, I would have Louis Trondheim over, but in his uh, animal incarnation. <laughs> the, the, the cartoon incarnation, yeah. Uh, Wallace from Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> See, Wallace Wells is basically like inviting Hopi over. It's no, just as bad. No, because I think Hopi would actually get physically destructive. I think Wallace would get drunk and snarky. Uh, yeah, and he would totally, he would totally, he would. I think he, he would, would seduce like some random person. Exactly, person. exactly. Next thing you know, he's making out with Clark Kent in the kitchen, and he's just disrupted everything. <laughs> you make that sound like the best version of Clue ever. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, oh, Faith from Valiant Comics. Oh, yeah. Right, right, right. Whereas I think that I would actually pick uh, uh, Ms. Marvel from, from Marvel Comics, Camelia Khan. Oh, God, can you imagine the two of them? Yeah. That's a dinner party I want to see. Yeah, that would actually be great fun, actually. Oh, and um, Bandette. Again, <laughs> inviting trouble. Wow, you the- really do. You you managed to take my Hopi factor and just up it by like a factor of twelve. Because I think she'd be charming, and then she'd just steal something. I think Hopi would actually try and like destroy the party. Mm. I feel like it's a different level. And I said Maggie. I totally have Maggie over. Oh, Ma- Maggie would. I see. I think Maggie would be great until I think Maggie would get sad at some. Point. Right. Exactly. Maggie would get sad, or she would bring down the party. Uh, I think I think that would just be yeah that'd be kind of rough. God, who did I just think of that I now totally forgot? Oh, <laughs> it's so funny. Like that was he almost made my Civil War list, but I took him off. So I'm gonna I'm actually gonna put him back on the, my Civil War list. Diabolic. I really want Diabolic on one of these. <laughs> he was gonna be on my dinner party because I realized. No, like, again, that would be too much trouble. But. It, okay, on the one hand, it's too much trouble. On the other hand, he's one of the few comic book characters that actually has a girlfriend. You know what I mean? So he's at least a little bit well-adjusted up until, you know, things go wrong. I, I feel like we should now just up each other like the worst people to fight. Baron Karza. Oh, <laughs> dude. Doctor Doom. The 
dickiest no, dinner guest Doom, ever. No, because Doctor Doom would totally be there going, I love your choice of wine. No, you, no, he was like, this wine is beneath me, fools. No, he would be all charming and then afterwards would be very mean. He, cause you saw what he was like when he invited Sue and Crystal to dinner. Yeah, see, if we were Sue or Crystal, that would be one thing. But see, that's it. With, you can Sue, I'll be Crystal. Oh, okay. So as long as we're doing it in drag, then now <laughs> the dinner gets a lot more interesting. I have to say. Oh, so, yeah, Baron Carza. Baron, Car- <laughs> I love the fact you went with Baron Carza, and I went with Doctor Doom, and then you picked on me as if Baron Carza isn't fucking Doctor Doom, Graham. <laughs> no, Baron Carza is. Darkseid meets Darth Vader meets a fucking horse. Okay, so it's Doctor Doom as a horse, basically. <laughs> it's basically it. <laughs> All right, so... so uh, okay, uh, listen, Al Kennedy yes. sent in a, a message. Hello, Graham and Jeff. It's Al Kennedy from House to Astonish Here. And Paul O'Brien from House to Astonish Here. <laughs> yeah. um, we just uh, wanted to get in touch and say congratulations on 200 episodes. It's very rare that anything in comics makes it to 200 of anything nowadays without renumbering. So the question we wanted to ask you was, how do you see the comics podcasting landscape and your work in comics podcasting as having changed since you started? Uh, we're waiting with bated breath, so answer us. Answer us. Congratulations again, 200 guys, and uh, here's to the next 200. Cheers. How do you see the comics podcasting landscape and your work in comics podcasting as having changed since you started? So we've kind of maybe addressed this when we were talking about the origin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, there's more, I guess. You know, this, I, this, I don't know if you can answer this because you don't listen to podcasts. I, I, I don't. I don't listen to enough podcasts. Like I've listened to just a few brief episodes. I, I want to say that I feel that uh, at the risk of being utterly, utterly wrong, I kind of want to say, hold on. Oh, boy, a noisy burp. Uh, I, I thank you for muting. Yes. Thank you for muting. I I want to say that comic book podcasts, when we started out, were a little more um, had more aspirations to being professional. Now you know, and now I kind of feel like there's more of a weird in between zone. Like I I think that the big change, and I might be horrifically wrong, mm-hmm. but I think the big change is that there are less interview podcasts with comic professionals. That's true. Yeah. I'm more of an embrace of fandom. But in a... in a Because uh, I feel like we are... <laughs> this is where I come up with our tagline, Jeff. You ready? Yes. I feel, feel like we are a formless uh, celebration of fandom. Right. But I think that things like uh, Explain the X-Men or Intuit mm-hmm. are very directed. Mm-hmm. And to have an appeal to people who are not necessarily part of that fandom. Mm. Like, I, I, I really enjoy listening to the Overinvested podcast. Mm-hmm. And there have maybe been, like, three episodes where I actually am a fan of what they're talking about. Right. But I like hearing the two of them talk about it. Yeah. Yet, which I... It's true. That is one of the things that I find fascinating uh, about the responses to our podcast is I feel like the people who like listening to us have to generally 
like we have to t- know enough of what we're talking about to be able to enjoy it because we have friends and family who um know that we podcast and the response that I generally get from them is like I really like hearing the sounds of you and Graham talking together <laughs> but I can't but understand I, what yeah, you're talking about. Talking yeah, about yeah. Yeah. And the, and the, and there are times where I do think especially with the, some of the success of like you said the more targeted podcast we kind of have that for the baxter building uh, in a way although i feel fantastic four is kind of um it's just not through main niche yeah it's just not really in fashion in a way but there there is a way in which part of me is like oh man i wish we could sit down and do the do the spider-man podcast or something like that where people who are into spider-man could actually you know in in all seriousness Mm -hmm. i just did brian carza i couldn't say I really genuinely want to do a read through of Micronauts. <laughs> I'm not even joking. No, I'm sure. Uh, I'm because sure. if mm-hmm. you could get a run of Micronauts, Jeff, mm-hmm. I think you would love it just as much as I have. Well, I, I Cause did. They, Cause it's, it's Mantlo being. Yeah. It's Mantlo trying to be Kirby for the majority of it. Yeah. 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 It's amazing. Yeah. No, Mantlo is actually much closer to the cosmic stuff, you know, than, 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 a lot of the work that sort of remains sort of in print yeah, so yeah. far of him really indicates. Yeah. But yeah. And he, it's great when he's, when he's, he hits it and he hits it a lot, yeah. but when he hits it, it's just, it's stuff where you're like, I wish this was still in print because yeah. I think it would really genuinely change the way that people think of this guy. Yeah. I, I, I think so too. So I, I, I do kind of hope that maybe this stuff, uh, at, well, at some point Disney's going to buy Hasbro and then it'll all come back into print. <laughs> I think you're probably right. I mean, see, I I'm only like one quarter joking. At some point, Disney's going to buy Hasbro. Yeah, I think I think you're probably right. They own Transformers. Disney will just be like, "Oh, I'll have that." Yeah, <laughs> it's just the way it works. <laughs> um, blah. So I think I think yeah, I think that I think that's a good point. Is I feel like yeah, there's more fandom is. For better and for worse, and I generally think that it's for better, um, willing to talk amongst itself. Uh, you know, I because I, I do. There are times where I think that, although there are people, and you were one of them, who who talk about the joys of word balloon at its height. Um, I I just unfortunately feel that it's it. it un- as much as I will, I wish there, there's like, I do have like a dream list of like, oh, wouldn't it be great if we had this person as a guest or that person as a guest? Uh, I do think that it's kind of great that we've managed to make it 200 episodes and <laughs> we basically had Brian Hibbs on once, you know? <laughs> so. I feel like that's a weird podcast as long Brian and it shouldn't be. No, it really shouldn't be actually. Cause, uh, but, but no, I, I think, uh, I, I, the comics podcasting landscape, I remember it being initially things like Word Balloon and, mm-hmm. oh God, there's another one that I honestly can't remember the name of. Uh, I can't remember the name of it for the life of me. I'm, I'm trying really hard and coming up a blank. But it, they were both essentially radio guys talking about comics. Yeah. And they, they would be interviewing comics creators. Right. And now I think we've gone through the, the the stuff like that you and I do in the House of Sonish does Alan Paul mm-hmm. doing House of Sonish. I and which is ostensibly reviews. Mm-hmm. Which you know also factors in things like iFanboy. Mm-hmm. Um and then I think the next step is an explain the X Men uh mm-hmm. or or an into it. 
And I think you, you can look and see like predecessors, like Tom, Tom versus the JLA. Right. Which was, was years ago. Mm-hmm. Was explain the X-Men before explain the X-Men. That's right. It lacked, uh, it was, uh, for want of a better way of putting it, it was too insular mm-hmm. to appeal to a non, an audience that hadn't read the issues, right. first of all. Um, and also just having Tom Caters do it, it didn't have the back and forth that explain the X-Men does. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. but, you know, the idea is there. And I don't even think that Jer or Miles ever heard uh, Tom versus the Jelly. I think it's one of these weird coincidences. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I but I feel like into it and, and things like that, and overinvest and things like that are the next step, whatever the next step is going to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and I do have to also say that one of the things that is has also changed in the landscape is is Patreon. You know, I yeah. think that's change things a lot but especially i feel for for um podcasts and and various aspects of fandom it's really changed things up a lot it's made a lot more things possible you know i think people are willing to dare more or put a little bit more investment into this stuff um you know uh which which i think is good because i think there's times where that really some of it can take some of it catches, you know, like explain the X-Men can catch on like wildfire instantly. Uh, and then there's other things that they can take a little while to catch on and grow and mm-hmm. become their, become what they are. So, Hey, Hey, talking about explain the X-Men, Jay Edidon. Yes. Has a message for us. I'm going to tell you the message now, Jeff. Thank you. It says, as you look back over the first 200 episodes, what do you want to revisit? And what are you looking forward to leaving in the dust? <laughs> So I'm going to say first, leaving in the dust, Matt Fraction and any insight into his uh, <laughs> personal behavior. Yes. I'm still mortified by that. Um, leaving in the dust. Uh, I don't know. Because I think that suggests we have more of a plan than we do. Right. You know, I think one of the things that actually sort of bums me out is people are like, you talk about waffles a lot less. And and one thing that really does bum me out is I, it's been a while since we've just sort of talked about, like, I mean, apart from the super, as, as the movie landscape becomes all superhero movies, um, you know, I, I sort of miss those podcasts where we end up talking about, like, uh, Something completely random. Yeah, Julia. Yeah, Julia and Julia, or or you know, uh, Nashville, the TV show, which I just found out the other day got canceled, and I was like, "What?" I still haven't seen Nashville. Oh my god! Oh my god! It's on all on Hulu. Yeah, it is. I've already told you that you should be watching Jane the Virgin, right? Yes. Uh, No, you haven't actually. But I mean, I heard great things about it from the get go. So it's it's. I mean, it's it's campy and trashy as fuck, but it's also beautiful because of that yeah. and also really smart uh-huh like, I, I remarkably uh they have a conceit that i don't want to ruin for you but they have a meta-narrative running in the show mm-hmm. and the meta-narrative manages to be smarter than it seems while still seeming really smart wow like it's a meta-meta-narrative at times wow that's great. Uh, and in, there are times where you, you know, you see them commenting on what's happening in the action mm-hmm. and you laugh. And then an instant later, you're like, oh, but they're also saying this. Mm. And it's like, God damn, you're fucking good at this. <laughs> uh, yeah, Jane the Virgin is super, super fun. Huh. Um, 
Yeah, but yeah, we don't we we. I don't think it's that we're more focused per se. But I, I at some point we stopped talking about. I think everyone would be happy. Stop talking about cleanses for a long time. <laughs> like that. I don't mean to say we should talk about cleanses again, but there used. To, I think we used to be um, much more circuitous in coming to the point. Right. Whereas well, these days, I think we we do generally get to a point. That yeah. Is more yeah. No, I definitely have noticed that in the in the show notes is is that there's a lot of times where uh, where we're talking. It, it used to be like we it could be as much as fifteen to twenty minutes before we talked about our first co- anything that would anything be- related to comics. Comics yeah. exactly, and a lot of times here we're on it within the first two and a half minutes. So I wonder why. You know, for me, I think part of it is just that. Isn't that word like emailing back and forth more during the week and getting it out? I wish Isn't that were the that, case. Um, yeah, I'm super curious. I, I, did we get, like, did we get berated at some point for not being on topic and we, we have just subconsciously taught ourselves? I think, I think we always felt a little guilty about it, but I, I think, honestly, I think even with the cleanse stuff, people thought that it was relatively uh, uh, somewhat amusing, I think, even if it went on for mortifying lengths of time. Uh, for me, honestly, I think it has a lot to do with there's not... I, I think, weirdly enough, I, I just feel like we're we're kind of always rushing to make sure that we can get it in, everything in, in two hours, you know? We should just have, like, a totally, like... In fact, I was just thinking this. We got emailed a bunch of questions that we're obviously not getting to. This I was about to say, you didn't send any of them to me. I was like, oh, no one got around to us. I sent them all in an email. You did? All of them? Yes. I only saw one. Are you sure? I sent you them all in an email. Okay, hold on. Why didn't (laughs) I see that? I totally didn't see that email at all. Do you see it now? Uh, no. Look for, look for the thread saying tonight's recording. And it was sent at 4.14 p.m. 4.14 p.m. Yeah, no. Oh, tonight's recording. Okay, hold on. Oh, yeah, how did I miss that? <laughs> Shit. Yeah, that's a lot of questions. But what I was going to say is, we're obviously not getting to them tonight. Yes. We have gone two hours just by the recordings. So the next time we do a wait what, which is not next week because next week's facts building, but the week after that. Yes. It's going to be an old school A answering questions. Yes. E probably being formless and meandering. Great. And we're gonna start the new generation as we mean to go on. <laughs> also, I should point out, Graham, you, you know this, and I actually people who follow us on uh, iTunes do know this, but for whatever reason, iTunes is uh, to completely confuse the issue. I, I meant to acknowledge this at the very beginning because iTunes a uh, thank God we have all everything. You can start from the very first episode and get to this one, which we call episode two hundred because of the way that we number it. Oh. What is it really? Because, I mean, we took Wait What out the numbering at some point. So this is at least episode 216. It, it, we, okay. At least. Admittedly, admittedly, one or two of these are, you've got, we've got the apologies. We've got the solo podcast. I have the call to uh, people asking them to call, giving it the phone number to call in to ask questions. But that being said, there are currently 280 
entries on the way. What? Zero? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which oh is, my god. So what you're saying is, like, like all good comics, mm-hmm. 20 <laughs> episodes after having our 200th episode, we could have our 300th episode? Yes! Oh, we totally should. Oh, that would be great. You're right. That is totally the comics way to do it. And then we're going to restart the numbering. Yeah, no. Anyway. So yeah, no, I mean, so admittedly that- When we started over on the waywalkpodcast.com. What's, uh, well, that was temporary. Then I picked it back up. I always I know, kept trying. But we did. We were episode one and it was really 151, right? Yeah, exactly. Because so, that was our joke with episode 150 that we stopped the podcast. Exactly. So we've got that. We've got something like Wake What. We've got the we've got the Brit Pop episode that didn't have numbering to it. Of course, all 16 Baxter buildings are in there. 17 Baxter buildings are in there. So, uh, yeah. So, you know. So, so what we're saying is, thanks for staying with us all these episodes, listeners. We're sorry that we're very bad at math. <laughs> we just can't count, basically. So... <laughs> Here's the thing. I knew that we were over 200. Yeah. The fact that we're at 280 actually makes me feel guilty for people calling in for our 200th episode. No, 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 no. Because it is our 200th as we number it. And because, again, if you – I mean, it may not – once you take – as you pointed out, we used to break those conversations into four episodes, right? So – but the weird part is I would but name you them. Didn't, no, you would 1. number 1, them. 1.1, 1. yes. 1.2, 1.3. Well, but that's what I'm saying. So, so what you're saying is it's our 200th conversation. For Wade Watt. If you, if you don't, if you don't count the Baxter buildings, yes. That's what I'm saying. It's our 200th conversation for Wade Watt. Yeah, there we go. Yes. Yes. That is correct, Graham. Thank you for putting it in terms so simple I could understand it. Oh, man. And on that bombshell. On that bombshell. Yeah. So next week it's a Baxter building. Yes. Uh, we're doing Fantastic Four issues. Blah, 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 through blah, 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 because I totally can't remember. I Jesus, I cannot either. I think we said we were going to do 12 of them, right? So is it 36 through 48 or no, 34 uh, through uh, 46? We're doing, doing 34 through, let me look at the covers. I, yeah, I think it's 46. Yeah, 34 through 46. What, sorry, that's 134. 134, yeah, right. Sorry. <laughs> People are like, awesome, Galactus, that's going to rock. <laughs> no, because Galactus is in 48 through 50. Oh shit! Did I fuck that up? Yes. God damn it! Who's so great that pops up before that? Is it the Inhumans? The Inhumans. Oh, it's the Inhumans. Shit! <laughs> I just read these last year, people. Anyway, two weeks from now, we will be answering the questions that we emailed in. Yeah, um, whatever. No, we will, Jeff. Yeah. No, I no. It's not that. It's, it's the fact that emailed. you sent them at 4:14 p.m. and. And you didn't see them. I think that's what you're trying to say. Yes, and I didn't see them. So, carry on. Everyone, ignore (laughs) Jeff. (laughs) Yeah, we'll answer those in two weeks. Uh, Thank you very much for your patience, people who emailed in. But this technically also means that people could email in other questions. Uh, wait, what are you saying? Should we keep keep it open for more questions? Sure. Yeah, mail us at waitwhatpodcast at gmail.com, I think. Yes. Which, by the way, Jeff also can read the emails. Dude, I, why didn't I see any of them? I swear to God, I didn't see any of those emails. When you you had them, I'm like, I didn't see any of these. I saw none of them. I don't know what to tell you, Jeff. Graham, do you have another secret account set up? It was like when you sent that thing in from uh, from Daniel McKay. I'm like, where did this come from? You're like, oh, didn't you get also, it? It's in the email. So from that, that email, are you just not checking our email? Yes. We... <laughs> 
<laughs> your e- email from who? From you? I saw. I only no, no, saw no, it when no, you sent no, it. No. Email for, are you checking the way about podcast? It, it automatically like, gets forwarded to me. So I thought it that clear, it was. It clearly doesn't if you haven't seen any of these. Because all of these questions have come into that email address. Okay. Then I'm clearly not seeing them. I have no idea why they're not coming in. Fuck. Well, anyway. This just in, everyone. Jeff is not checking your emails, but I am. Oh so my the- God. You are such an asshole. <laughs> That is so, the worst. It's totally like, well, so because Jeff has a spam filter, he's a bad human being. Anyway, I'm Graham McMillan, and I'm great. Join me for the next 200 episodes while me and Mr. Worthless Trash go on to discuss comic books and other things. Oh, you poor deluded fool. Discussing <laughs> comic books like we've managed to do that this episode. <laughs> we've talked around the topic. We've we have. around we, the topic. Again, it's another classic Wait What descriptor. Talking around the topic for 200 episodes. There you go. There's a tagline. All right. Graham, do you want to tell everyone where they can find us? You can find us on the internet. Uh, WaitWhatPodcast.com is where you will find show notes for episodes uh, of Wait What and also the Baxter Building, as well as written posts from myself, from Mr. Jeffrey Lester, and from Mr. Matt Terrell, who now you know what he sounds like. See? It all works out. Uh, Witwatspods.tumblr.com is our Tumblr where you will find random images of comics and occasionally links uh, put up by myself and Mr. Jeffrey Lester. uh, We're on Tumblr at Witwatpodcasts. We're on Twitter, rather, at Witwatpodcasts. We are... uh, Where else are we, Jeff? We're a Patreon-supported podcast. Yes. I should say that because that makes you say things. Jeff? <laughs> exactly. And one of those things that we have to say is very special thanks to the kind crew at American Ninth Art Studios for their continuing support of Wait What, as well as our continuing th- thanks and gratitude to Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy, and also all 125, Graham, 125 of our supporters on Patreon who you, make this all possible. You full mad fools. Yeah, it's great. We're actually getting to the point where the number of podcast entries only outnumber the number of oh, Patreon really? supporters. Oh, really? Are you are you actually complaining about people giving us money to do this? Because, Jeff. Yes, Graham. That's totally what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying. I'm saying that I think that it's pretty amazing that those numbers are as close together as they are. And yeah, here we are in episode 200. That's kind yeah, of that's awesome. Insane. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah, thank you very much, everyone. That's really ridiculous. We are on iTunes. We are on Stitcher. If anyone wants to leave us comments, please make them kind, and please leave them in either of those locations. I, is there anything else I'm missing? I don't. I don't think so. I think you know what I. That? You know what I. You know what I normally say and didn't say. What? You can find Jeff on Twitter at Lacey Bassett at L A Z Y B A S T I D, and you can find me on Twitter at Graham M at G R A E M E M. Yes, thank you, uh, and Matt. Did you mention oh, Matt already? At, uh, is he at Matt underscore Terrell or is there yes. no underscore? No, no, and there is, There's an underscore, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it's in between Matt and Terrell, in case you're wondering. <laughs> maybe I'm wondering. Maybe you were. Maybe it's the, you know, maybe it looks like Matt Terrell. So, you know, but it's not. It's Matt <laughs> underscore Terrell. So. And now you've got me thinking Matt the Hoople. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the not-so-young dudes. So, uh, Graham, do you want to sing us out on this 200th episode? People, sorry for being... Bye! (laughs) What? (laughs) (laughs) Everything I know is wrong! (laughs)
Yeah, they do something special for that. I don't know. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I'm editing you out, Graham. I've gained the last buy-in. Bye! We should just, like, keep doing it. Bye! 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, boy.